Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. Going right back to the same one, aren't you? <laughs> I did it on <laughs> The Diamonds theme, huh? Yes, sir. That's how we're starting off today. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome in. Justin Kenner Show live here with Kevin Nash on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. A lot to get into. So let, let's get this clear. By, the, by a week from today, by the time we are, you know, when we're sitting here in these seats, a week from today, we'll just be a few days away from Ohio State. Finally, I can't say it like The Rock, but finally kicking off the 2020 season. But I'm going to tell you right now why as we get closer to Ohio State season and the more that keeps happening around the world of college football right now, I'm becoming a little concerned. Because when you look around the world of college football right now, Alabama's head coach Nick Saban, of course, yesterday the big news that literally happened right as we were signing off, test positive for COVID-19. Nick Saban, of course, right now will not be on the sidelines for the Alabama-Georgia game, the most anticipated game of the college football season to this point. Definitely the highlight game of the uh, week. What, again, what week is it in college football? Week seven. So we week seven of the college football season. But... Florida and LSU, that game has already been postponed. We've seen multiple programs already face postponement. We've already seen multiple programs be impacted by the coronavirus. Now, keep in mind, when you talk about programs like Florida, when you talk about programs um, like LSU and the ACC and the SEC and the, and the Big 12 and all these conferences who have kicked off a month ago, which, by the way, we are a month into the college football season. Ohio State is very late to the party. Uh, the Big 10 is very late to the party. The Big 10 has zero margin for error when it comes to the coronavirus. I don't mean zero margin for error as in mistakes during a game. Um, Ohio State has some wiggle room there as far as I'm concerned, but that's not really what I want to talk about today. When you look at the scenario that is happening right now with with college football. LSU Florida, they get to postpone their game. You know why it's not a big deal that they're missing this week? It's because they have a weekend at the end of the year that they're able to get that game in. If LSU or Florida, which right now with Florida getting a big loss this past weekend, they're really not going to be in the college football playoff conversation, barring some other big losses that kind of help them a little bit. But let's say that Florida was still undefeated, and Florida really needed this game. And this game was going to be a huge, it was going to have a huge impact on the college football playoff when that time comes. This would be devastating. Um, So we've yet to see a big time matchup be impacted to this point yet by a postponement or heaven forbid a situation where you can't make it up. LSU Florida can make up a game at the end of the year. If LSU or LSU's out, but if Florida all of a sudden, you know, kind of creeps back into this and they become, you know, back into the college football playoff conversation, they're fortunate that they get to make up a big game late in the year against LSU. What happens, folks, when this happens to Ohio State here in a week and a half? The Big Ten, there are no bye weeks. It's eight straight weeks. It's a sprint to the finish line. There is zero margin for error. Not only does Ohio State have this going against them, this being the fact that everyone else is a month into the season. Clemson's a month into the season. Clemson's already had a few primetime games. Clemson's coming off a primetime game this past weekend against Miami. Clemson just beat a top ten opponent under the lights on primetime as the game of the week. Clemson's doing fine. Georgia and, and Alabama, they're going to have the biggest matchup of the college football season coming up this weekend. They're going to be just fine. Ohio State, you have Nebraska right off the bat, maybe. Nebraska has a positive, uh, has a posi- you know, a positive outbreak, then what? You postpone it? You can't. There's nowhere to move the games to. Ohio State, this Saturday, eight straight weeks, two months from Saturday, it's a sprint to the finish line. There will be no opportunity for Ohio State to make up games. And they need every game they can get because for Ohio State, it's not about who they're playing. It's about how many games they are going to play. 
Because I'm telling you right now, if I'm Georgia or Alabama or Clemson, I don't want Ohio State anywhere near the playoff if they don't at least have eight games on the season. I don't care if we already know how good Ohio State is. I don't care if we just assume that if things were normal, Ohio State would be number two in the country right now. Because although we do have to be understandable, we do have to be compassionate, we do have to understand that it's not the same for everybody because of COVID, we can't get to a playoff with an Ohio State team only playing six to seven games. I think we're pushing it with them just playing eight while everyone else is playing 10 and 11, to be honest with you. Especially teams out of the SEC. I'm not defending teams out of the SEC. I'm looking at this. I'm trying to take my Buckeye cap off and just look at this from how I would view this from any perspective. If I was, if, if the Big Ten had played, started playing on time, I promise a lot of Buckeye fans would be upset had the SEC started late. We would be making the same arguments that I'm trying to make right now that, well, why should Alabama just get a spot in the playoff just because we assume that they're good and they played three or four less games than us? That might happen to Ohio State. Folks, what happens if Ohio State has a positive outbreak and they have – there's no postponing, by the way. Like right now – like so, for instance, Nick Saban tests positive for the coronavirus. That news broke yesterday. So far, I have yet to read an article that has come out to say that the test results for the players who all tested today have come back. If even one player tests positive coming back after being around Coach Nick Saban, that game's postponed. Which, you know what? That sucks for this weekend. Still good for Alabama. Still good for Georgia. They could still get that game in later on in the season. Folks, week two for Ohio State is Penn State. What happens if Penn State and Ohio State have a positive test, a single positive test? They're in trouble. There are no bye weeks. There are no games. There are no weekends built into the back end of the schedule for them to be able to make that game up. And let's be clear here. The only game that is worth anything to Ohio State right now is that Penn State game. They have zero margin for error. If the Penn State game is canceled, not postponed because you can't postpone it. There's nowhere to postpone it to. If you cancel that Penn State game, I'm not trying to stir the pot here. I'm not trying to get people angry. I need you guys to be very realistic here. If Ohio State cannot play Penn State, Ohio State should not get into the college football playoff if they don't get that game in. Because not only would they not have played anybody all year, they would have played three less games than the SEC and ACC. Like, that's where I have a hard time with this. And it's not Ohio State's fault. I'm not punishing them. But this was totally handled wrong by Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. And I'm trying to figure out why in mid what so it was mid-August when the decision came that the Big Ten would officially kick off at the end of October, and I'm thinking why did it need why did they need a month and a half to prepare? They'd already been practicing on a limited basis. They could have kicked off two weeks ago. They should have kicked off two weeks ago. Kicking off two weeks ago would have given them that bubble and that cushion to have postponement games later on in the year. And right now, Ohio State and the Big Ten, they're in trouble. They're in trouble, and it's not the team's fault. It's not Penn State's fault. It's not Gene Smith and Ohio State's fault. Um, I'm blaming the Big Ten. I'm not just going to point the finger at Kevin Warren because Kevin Warren made a lot of funky decisions, but he was basically just announcing the decisions that were made by university presidents. It wasn't all Kevin Warren. The university presidents played a role in this too. So I want to sum up by saying this. The Big Ten's in trouble. They have a zero margin zero var- margin for error. I'm not even talking about postponements. I mean, we've yet to even get to Kev's point that I know he's going to talk about. A player test positive. That They're out for three weeks. Ooh-wee. So that's, I mean, that's insane to me. All I'm saying is, is after the news yesterday and just seeing how many games are being postponed and bumped around and moved around, I'm worried. I'm concerned. The Big Ten season, it's going to happen. 
But again, if you're Ohio State and you only play seven games, Kev, you're not getting in the playoff. Like, you can't justify putting a team who's only played seven games in, even if it is the Ohio State University, if they only get seven games in this year. You cannot put them in the college football playoff. That is not right. It's not right to Ohio State, but it's also not right to the teams who have been competing for a month now before they even kicked off. What do you think? Uh, I think if Ohio State is undefeated and they only play seven games, they'll still get in because of the fact that everybody has their own rules. This is the wild, wild west right now, as we've been talking about for months now. We don't know what's going to happen. Different rules for different conferences. Um, 21 days, you're out if you test positive if you're a player in the Big Ten. Um, There are no such rules like that in the SEC and ACC. In the Big 12, they have a player count. Like, you got to have two quarterbacks available. You got to have six offensive linemen available. They they approach it that way. So, every conference has their own rules about who. You have to have 53 scholarship players. Yeah, Yeah. every conference has their own rules about who and how they're going to be playing games. So, I just deem it as if Ohio State runs the table, they're going to get in, regardless of the fact. And as much as I I want them in, that ain't right. That ain't right. But if you only play seven games, and and, and David Shaw says a single positive does not cancel the game. It's based on percentage of positives on the team. But, David, let's use our brains here. If there's no, have you? Can you name a scenario where only one player has tested positive? These players are around one another. Mm-hmm. These players are practicing every day. They are living in the same dorms. Like they, they are around each other. I, we could say, oh, one player doesn't do it. You're right about the percentage. That's what we talked. You need 53, I think, if I'm not mistaken. LSU or Florida, one of the two dropped below that. I think uh, Florida would only have 50 scholarship yeah. players, players available this weekend. And by the way. If I'm a, t- you know, it's going to be interesting too because like if a, a team knows they're going to be without a starter, like Ohio State, let's say they have a couple positives and it's not Justin Fe- or it's Justin Fields uh, and all that. I mean, again, it's that next man up mentality. But I mean, how many teams are going to really push? You know, some teams would push for a postponement before they would push for playing without some of their top players, including a star wide receiver, a star quarterback, mm-hmm. running back, etc. So that that's where that's going to come into play. The Nick Saban thing's interesting. Uh, I listened to his interview earlier today on, on Get Up. Uh, uh, and again, Heather Dinich has been covering that. He's been basically just coaching through Zoom. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a coach that's literally holding an iPad at practice, and he is literally just coaching. I think that's kind of cool. I, I find that kind of interesting as far as that's concerned. He's asymptomatic, showing no symptoms. Concerned about him with his age, especially right. uh, as far as that's concerned. But I did find it interesting. I looked at the the, the uh, line for that game. Just by Nick Saban being out, there's no talk of any player being out. The line shifted. They lost three points against uh, against Georgia just because he's out this weekend. He's the guy, man. He's the guy in college football. He's like, the one he, that everybody fears. That's nuts. So, yeah. I mean, it. I don't know, man. Like, you know, this this is a microcosm of how we are as a country, man. Because so many other coaches have tested positive for COVID from. Uh, Kevin Sumlin, um, I can't remember who else tested positive, but night now that it's Nick Saban, it's on ESPN nonstop. Les Miles just tested yeah, uh, tested positive, yeah. and he's coaching at Kansas. So, but you know that's the thing about it. Like it's a big to do now, and I was watching, and you know why can't he coach from home? And like, where was this when these other coaches 
tested positive but that's like the microcosm of the country we live in right now and and everybody's situation it's because he's a big dog people are more concerned and that's how we just i that no now we i have to understand that i need to be more understanding like that's how people think that since it's a big dog and it's an important coach and it's an important team to the masses that's how people are going to react because the little guys caught it Nobody said anything. Oh, man, Coach Joe Blow from blah, blah, State caught it. Hope he does well. Nick Saban got it, man. He's got to be able to coach. Like, I just think the hypocrisy, as you love to point out, is just I don't know if it's hypocrisy. Nick Saban's calling that out. Nick Saban, in the interview today, said, he goes, we are pushing hard to figure out if there's a way for me to be able to have communication with our team. If those coaches didn't want to inquire about that, that's on them, Nick Saban. But... For a guy who's always prepared, don't you think that that would have been something that would have already been addressed? <laughs> and I feel like that had to have been addressed at some point. You're out, you're out. I mean, if it, you're you're out because of your, you know, you're fighting other illnesses in a normal season, you're not right. communicating on the sidelines. I don't see why. I don't think a special. I, I don't think an adaption should be made for that. I, I no. I just think, hey, you're out for health reasons. Go right. focus on your health. You know, you have Sarkeesian. He's a real head coach. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's a, a coordinator, but he's a real head coach. Like, he, he knows what he's doing. And that I goes think, that know. goes back to the each conference has their own rules because when Mike Norvell had COVID, the ACC said, you're out. You can't do that, coach. As uh, soon as your team leaves for the, for the field, you're done. Like, you can do a pregame speech on Zoom. You can't talk to the team till after the game is over. But... We don't know the rules in the SEC. The SEC rules could be totally different. And that's the whole thing about the NCAA. There is so many different rules for so many different parties. It's just hard to keep keep up with because, you know, you know, like David was saying, is it the percentage of players? Is that that same way in the Big Ten? I don't know because Big Ten is a percentage of players. Okay. Okay, I don't know because the only thing that they keep talking about is 21 days if you test positive. So it's so many different rules and so many Well, that it's a percentage of players for a postponement. If one player test positive, that dude's out for three weeks. Right. So so this is the thing, folks. And real quick, uh, you know, so this was the question. 457 We're going to open up the phone lines. We are live on Facebook. Search the Justin Kinner Show on Facebook. You could follow along there. Listen, stream, and now watch. It just got me to thinking about everything going on right now. I'm like, Ohio State's only playing eight games this year. They have no, there's no margin for error at all. Like, they literally, they have to get all eight games in. And even with the eight games, I still think that's really pushing it as far as how some of the other conferences are perceiving the fairness of this. And again, it's not Ohio State's fault. But again, it's not always about whose fault it is. It's sometimes just the reality of the situation. And the reality of the situation, regardless of whose fault it is, Ohio State's already only playing eight games, which I think could be overlooked. But it can't be overlooked if they only play seven. And what I mean is Florida, LSU got postponed this weekend. Who's to say that it's not going to happen in the Big Ten? And it will happen mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. But, folks, you want to know why it won't happen in the Big Ten? There's no weeks at the back end of the schedule right. to allow for them to make up games. There's no bye weeks for them to postpone games, too. All right? So, like, literally, the Big Ten season is going to walk you right up to that conference championship weekend or whatever it is that the Big Ten is doing with the one seed and all that. And then the selection show. They've already, college football has already pushed back the selection show. They're not going to do it again. Now, we'll find out just how much Ohio State means to them. Maybe they do push it back. Maybe the college football playoff committee says, 
hey, due to unforeseen circumstances, which is not unforeseen, this should have been thought about. I think it's bad leadership on the Big Ten's part again. We were so excited to have it back. I don't think we really grasped, wait a minute, there's no room for anything. <laughs> you can't make anything up. The only way to make it up is to play after the selection show, and the College Football Playoff Committee can't vote on seven games and just assuming you're going to win. Even if it is a game against Rutgers or whatever, we know Ohio State would destroy them, but you still only up to that point have seven. So four five seven nine four six four. the question I have for everybody is this, is if Ohio State only gets seven games in, how concerned are you? How concerned are you if Ohio State is forced to postpone a game? I would be very, pos- I would be very concerned as far as that is concerned uh, when, you, when it's all said and done. But 457-9464, Kev, who we got? We got Keith on the line. Keith, welcome in, sir. How are you? Hey, Mr. Justin. God bless. Uh, glad to see football seasons come back with college. But uh, I just turned in and listened to you. And I, I'm a person that believes it would be foolish if, like your partner there said, if Ohio State Buckeyes uh, did a really good job this year showing that they're a contender, I think it would look stupid for some football fans to not allow them have a chance. So things can change. You know, never, I look at it, things are not supposed to be set in stone. So as the football progresses and some teams get eliminated, I think they should have some insight to maybe, because your partner said, I, I don't know what his name is, but he said that. This is uh, Kev Nash. Yeah, Kevin. God bless Kevin. Hey, so, God uh, bless Kevin. Yeah, so so what I'm saying is this, that we're living in an unusual time, and so they should be able to adjust. Like, teams have to adjust. And also, I think that the Big Ten, you know, there's teams, Big East and Big West, I don't think it's supposed to be dictated from a certain state. I think certain states have should have their own rights to say what they believe. Well, regard, but you have a regardless. I know, but but the conference they all fall under the conference umbrella, and certain teams in certain states obviously have to adhere to certain you know laws and, and rules within those states. I mean, right now the biggest thing that you're seeing with teams trying to adhere to that is attendance at games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida, out of the SEC, they've opened up completely. There are no limitations on attendance. They could have ninety thousand fans at their home games. Ohio State's going to have none. I did see that the Pac-12 announced today that families uh, in certain states will be allowed to attend games, uh, you know, so immediate family like we've seen at the high school level. Mm-hmm. So that that's changing all over. Uh, Mr. Jeff, I want to say this time, too. Hey, uh, I really miss Mark, too, because he, he's a real good guy. He's, mm-hmm. And so I hope he's doing well and maybe come by and say hello. People can hear his voice on the radio once in a while. But I just think that we're living a, different, a difficult time, and it, I would hate to see a great team not be able play football just because of regulations. So that's what I want to say. And also I said that it took political, like Donald Trump, to push this big team in so they can play football this season. So me, I want to see good teams play in the national playoffs, and I think Ohio State is a great team. Yep. All right, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Look, and, and Keith, to be fair, I'm not arguing that Ohio State's not a great football team. This is why it's going to be so controversial. Ohio State is absolutely a playoff team. Like if if things were if things started out as normal, it would be Clemson one, Ohio State two, and again, I'm just assuming that's what the first poll that came out was. Clemson was one, Ohio State two, Alabama three. And I think that's what it would still be today. I don't think anything would have changed. Nothing would have changed. Um 
Uh, but that's the point, though, is that when it's all said and done, when it comes down to that final college football playoff poll and you have the entire body of work, if Ohio State's only played seven games in Alabama and Clemson and Georgia, and uh, you know, one, it's really not Alabama and Clemson that are worried about Ohio State only playing seven. It's going to be that one-loss Georgia team if they lose this weekend to Alabama. Or it'll be the one-loss Alabama team if they lose to Georgia this weekend. It could be the one-loss Notre Dame team that loses to Clemson. The teams that are fighting for that fourth and final spot or even a third spot, they're going to say, hey, I know Ohio State's probably better than us, but you can't reward them for they've only played seven games. You know, we had more chances to lose games because we play if, if we would have known that we could have got in with only playing seven, we would have only played seven. So I'm not saying that's gonna happen. Ohio State can get all eight in and we're good to go. But all I'm saying is based on what we just saw from Florida and LSU, if that happens, if that happens to an Ohio State game, and the most dangerous game that can happen to is obviously the Michigan game, just for the tradition standpoint. But the the Penn State game, mm-hmm. the game that really is going to propel Ohio State into the playoff because of a resume standpoint, it's Penn State. If that game gets canceled, that's not good. That that's really going to put Ohio State in a very tough spot because we know they're good, and we always do this whole. I always say I don't need to see them play somebody to know that they are somebody, but I need you to play more than seven somebodies mm-hmm. to I be in that the, conversation. I think the NCAA needs to be more flexible not only flexible with the schedule but flexible when they do the college football playoff announcement if there's scenarios where you know both teams from the sec championship can't play they need to push it back like and the big 10 say there's an outbreak between ohio state and wisconsin the week before the big 10 championship game and they have to push the game back they need to push the i wouldn't move it back I wouldn't. But we're they saying be that because we're saying they don't. They've already been flexible. They no, don't they, need they to be need flexible. To, I mean, I said I just said that for the SEC as well. Like they need to be flexible. They're being flexible in the NFL. They already talking about plans for a week. What week eighteen in the NFL? They need to be flexible in college football as well. I don't think they need to be. They were flexible. The Big Ten had a chance to be, again. So the Big Ten's going to be the Big Ten would be bailed out twice now, three times. Like at some point, you have to be held accountable for not thinking of these things. And like the Big Ten has just been—they thought they were a step ahead of everybody, and they've been two steps behind everybody as so far as that's so concerned. So UC runs the table in that situation to end, right? If there's no Ohio State to get in, then sure, why not? <laughs> okay, you know, if you want to be cute with it. Well, speaking to Cincinnati, Doug Toby on Facebook says, "How about the University of Cincinnati uh, football? They have no off weeks right now, and their schedule shows the Tulsa game being rescheduled on the same date as their conference championship." I hadn't even put that together, Doug. Thank you for pointing that out. Train right. Um, so no, they won't get in. See, they they won't even have a conference <laughs> championship. Uh, how about Tulsa though? Tulsa, like uh, who? Oh, so they beat a ranked. UCF team. Yes. They really held their own against Oklahoma State. Yes. And they have like two or three postponements already. Like in that Tulsa looks like a solid like they're they're playing high level football. I mean, you know, they and they nothing. They're not gonna be able to make up half these games. It's unfortunate. Neither is Houston. So and, and yeah, they <laughs> they were supposed to kick off a month ago and they didn't even play the whole month first month of the now, season. They're supposed to kick off in August. So so it was like a month and then some. Holy smokes, folks. All right. Hey, everyone, do me a favor. Head to Facebook. Search the Justin Kenner Show and tune in on Facebook. Right now in my hands, I have $25 in Frickers Bucks right here for those of you watching. You hit share. When you share the Justin Kenner Show live right now, your name will automatically be put into a pool to win these $25 in Frickers Fun Bucks. We'll be contacting you on your Facebook page that you share the show with. So go do that right now. Head to Facebook. Search the Justin Kenner Show. Watch along and share the page. 
share the show right now that you're watching. Hit the share button, and your name will automatically be put into the pool to win $25 in Frickers Fun Bucks. Do that right now. Do it. Go do it. Man, I played the wrong music. Since you, flash those bucks again. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to make it rain. Hold on. I, that, I have to do that cooler. Hold on. Embarrassing my Coming to the stage. Up. There we go. That, that, I, that was cool. I did it. I did it. I did it. Oh, I got to pick that up. Five, ten, fifteen. Oh, you go five. We're only, okay. I found twenty. Where's the other? Oh, no, twenty-five. No, we got Folks, don't worry. You still get your full $25 hairs for Frickers Fun Bucks. Hit the share button. Hit it. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, by the way, the Cincinnati Bengals really upset the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. He was really upset with something they did late in that game. I'll tell you about that coming up. We are back. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. If you are just tuning in, keep in mind you can listen to us on the radio, of course, at 1410 Wing AM. You can also stream us live at wingam.com. And now you can watch us on Facebook. Head to Facebook. Search The Justin Kenner Show. Like and follow the show. But if you hit share, all right, if you share the page today and tomorrow... You or your name, whatever Facebook name you're using to share it, you'll be eligible to win $25 in Frickers Fun Bucks. I have that $25 in Frickers Bucks right here in my hand. It, it will be yours. Well, one equals one, three, and one on the season. Um, their, you know, their biggest goal for the rest of the year is just hopefully Joe Burrow can still walk when it's all said and done uh, after the regular season gets there. So 27 to three was the final. Something interesting happened in that 27-3 final, Kev, uh, and, I, and I found this interesting. So Randy Bullock hits a 38-yard field goal. Um, you know, 14. I'm trying to see here what time there was in the fourth quarter with 32 seconds remaining. With 32 seconds remaining, the Bengals were shut out 27 to nothing. They kick a field goal with 32 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm trying to figure out on that play. It, what down it was. Did they just kick it to kick it so they avoided the shutout? Because apparently that's the problem here. So I found this interesting. Uh, and this article that came out, ESPN highlighted this. That the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator, um, he's unhappy with the Cincinnati Bengals because the Ravens had a shutout going. And they kicked a field goal and it pissed him off. Mm-hmm. That's weak. So here, real quick, I'm sorry, but here, read the, here's the quote. So, and again, this is Jamison Hensley covers the Ravens for ESPN says that the Ravens defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale, expressed anger when the, Bengal, when the Bengals kicked a field goal to avoid a shutout in Baltimore's 27-3 victory this past Sunday. Cincinnati trailed 27 Nothing. Zach Taylor chose to kick a 38-yard field goal with, 30 seconds, with 37 seconds left in the game. It marked, and this, I love that they have a stat for this. This is stupid. I'm defending the Bengals here big time. I, this, I can't believe that this is a thing. Someone wasted time writing this, and, and a defensive coordinator out there actually wasted time with reporters talking about <laughs> it. Um, again, uh, where did oh, this marks, okay, again, it was 27 nothing. There was 30-plus seconds remaining. Zach Taylor chose to kick a field goal to avoid the shutout, which I have no problem with. 27-3 looks better than 27 nothing. That's yeah. common sense. Any coach who could try to avoid being shut out, that's a good thing. Uh, but apparently they have a stat for this. This marks only the fifth time since 1970 and during the merger, Kevin, I mean, this is very detailed, that a team kicked a field goal in the final minute to avoid a shutout, according to ESPN Stats and Information. That can't what? be right. That's, but, like, this is stupid. 
The Bengals did nothing wrong. The, like, I can't believe like this is even a thing. I had to reread this. I'm like, I'm clearly missing something of substance here. And it's just a whiny baby defensive coordinator upset because Zach Taylor chose to kick a field goal with under 30 seconds left to avoid the shutout, as you should. As you should. I, I mean, I, I don't get that. Of course, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just... I don't defend the Bengals much, but they didn't do one single tiny thing wrong here. It's absolutely ridiculous. We're going to get to Sounder sooner or later. Cream. What does the cream mean? To the top? I don't know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. Cass rules everything around me. What the hell's cream? What does that have to do? I mean, so that's it's the... It's always okay. about the money. But why would I know that? It's Am about I supposed the to know money. That? Why can't you just say it's always about the money? Why do you got to set me up to because fail? Because we've been doing it all summer. I haven't heard you say cream in a while. Keep it, keep it locked in here. I'll get a drop. This is turning us. weird. So okay, <laughs> it's about the money because I am sure that the defensive coordinator has clauses in his contract about shutouts and about points per game that they let up as a defensive coordinator because players have those incentives in their contract as well. Like, hey, if you uh, are a part of the, the number one defense, you get a bonus. If you get X amount of sacks, you get a bonus. You get X amount of interceptions, you get a bonus. And that is part of the deal. It has to be. I'm almost guaranteeing if somebody was to dig into his contract like that, they'll find incentives like that to say, hey, if you get, I don't know, three shutouts in one season, you get a $100,000 bonus. I am guaranteeing there's incentives and contracts about that guaranteeing and this is one that they basically had in the bag that the Bengals took away rightfully so hey if you got a chance to score score it I mean it is what it is I mean we see so many times teams that do get shut out just chucking it to the end zone from the 10 yard line where they could just put a field goal on the board to save like themselves some a little bit of embarrassment so I mean I'm with the Bengals and I'm with Wink Martindale too man you messing with my money Oh, I'm not with him at all. Like, you're not me- you're messing with his money. Like, but you're not messing with his money. The Bengals weren't looking at it like, hey, what's the? Can I get a contract status on that defensive? No, 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 no. They oh, aren't. Okay. They don't you care know. as they shouldn't care. That that that's ridiculous. This whole thing's ridiculous. So, like, this article goes on to more. Like, they have like, they have receipts. They have ah, receipts yes, here. Yeah. Yes. So. In 1970, Bengals coach Paul Brown chose to kick a field goal in the final minute of a 38-3 loss to the Lions. In 2006, Tampa Bay, John Gruden, decided to kick a field goal with no time left in a 20-3 loss to the Steelers. Yes, <laughs> as you should. How is that any different than late in the basketball game? Oh, this game's out of reach. You know, I, I'm so sick. This team, this team's done for. It's, they're toast. Why are they even shooting the ball? Why are they taking an open layup? Why are they taking a three? Shut up. Yes. Just shut up. This, this is the dumbest thing. I, as if I needed more reasons to hate the Ravens. One, now the biggest one is that they're making me sit here and defend the Bengals like you wouldn't believe. Uh, but John Harbaugh was asked about this, and he was more diplomatic in his response. Um, you know, said that he, he said the defense would have loved the shutout, but that it wouldn't have been a factor if Baltimore had stopped Cincinnati on either one of the fourth and one situations on that final drive. He closes it out by saying, I guess you have to look at it that way. Harbaugh said, I'll just leave it at that. Leave it that way. Shouldn't leave it. Leave it at that. Leave it at that. Give me a break. <laughs> Harbaugh. Get get no, get it, get rid of Harbaugh. I, I can't wait for when my prediction comes true. Which prediction is that? You make a lot of them. The new coach in Baltimore. Oh. Yes, sir. Mr. So, Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy will be in Baltimore next year. That's my prediction. Uh, so the Bengals have the Colts this coming up weekend. Seven and a half point dogs. Uh, we'll talk about that matchup coming up more around the corner. Also, A.J. Green in the news today. He says, hey, you know what? I want to stay with the Cincinnati Bengals. 
And it sounded all cute and adorable the last couple of years when Bengals fans thought that it was the A.J. Green of old. When the A.J. Green of old says, man, I want to stay b- being a Cincinnati Bengal, everyone oohs and ahs, and they, you know, they feel all warm inside. But when old A.J. Green says, I want to remain a Bengal, the ooh and ah and stops, and the screaming and hollering and all that picks up. A.J. Green says he wants to remain a Cincinnati Bengal. Should the Cincinnati Bengals want him to remain with the organization. We'll talk about that when we come back. 457-9464. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. we got our week six NFL picks coming up around the corner as well. Top of the hour. We will dive into that. Don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash next. NFL fans, the season is finally here. Get your picks submitted at wingam.com. One knows my feelings on Cowboys fans, but really, Justin Kenner, you're a Cowboys fan and a Browns fan? Good Lord have mercy. I don't know what the hell to do with y'all. I really don't. Back to the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. November 3rd, it's the big day. NFL trade deadline. <laughs> NFL trade deadline coming up. <laughs> NFL trade deadline coming up on November third, day day after my birthday, by the way. Okay. Day after I'm turning the big three one this year. Nice. I'm not as I dreaded my thirtieth birthday. I don't know why. I was depressing leaving my twenties, but now I'm going to be thirty one. I'm like, eh, thirty one. The third football league. The problem is I don't think that that top five wide receiver exists anymore. Uh, and that's not a shot at his character or him as a person at the end of the day. Um, at the end of the day, that that's where, you know, this becomes, you know, interesting. Because A.J. Green is the perfect teammate. He's the perfect kind of guy you want on your roster. He's a, he's a good leader. He's a good guy that, you know, he gets, a, he gets along well with others. He's not a distraction in that locker room. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about the, you know, Antonio Browns and the OBJs. And, we you know, we talk a lot about those guys. That's not who A.J. Green is, but A.J. Green's production is just as good back when he was fully healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how healthy he is now. Of course, he got you know injured in this last week's game against the Ravens, but if he was healthy before that, if that's A.J. Green healthy moving forward, I just don't see what he brings to the table. Kev, does he bring enough to the table to warrant keeping him? Because Green also goes on to say that he, you know, I think that we are building something special here, and I just want to be a part of the team and help us win. The problem is, is if they win, I think that they are going to win games with or without him, and they won't win because of him. They aren't going to lose because of him. I just don't think he's the number one wide receiver anymore. I don't know if the Bengals necessarily have one at this moment. I do love what I am seeing between the chemistry building between Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. I love T. Higgins. Uh, That was one of my favorite draft picks from the Bengals outside of Joe Burrow this past offseason. And I think T. Higgins and and, uh, Burrow have good chemistry, but I think that T. Higgins complements Boyd really well. I think that the like we keep talking is oh should the Bengals trade AJ Green Kevin I don't think he has a market he doesn't have value no he, he doesn't, doesn't have, value have value anymore um, where when guys like a Le'Veon Bell don't have value when guys that? when guys like Antonio Brown don't have value it's not just because you know Antonio Brown is quote unquote a bad guy off the field it's because they're older as well and they're the same age and AJ Green has been hurt. And for the last two seasons, he hasn't produced when he was on the field. And now that he's back on the field, he's not producing at the clip that he once was. And that's just what happens with wide receivers as they get older. You know, you know, when you're a cornerback, you can still play corner, but then you eventually move to safety. You know, Rod Woodson, when he played with the Steelers back in the day, 
um, he started playing safety once he moved to like the Baltimore Ravens and everything, and he and he shined. Same thing with Charles Woodson when his speed and all his quickness started to deteriorate, he switched to safety, so he started using his mind more. Uh, outside wide receiver, that's it. Like that's all they can do is play outside wide receiver. He's not an inside slot receiver where he can work the underneath routes. His thing is the deep ball. That's what AJ Green does. He catches great sideline passes because he's six five and super athletic. That's super athleticism through the roof, but those things aren't there anymore, or at least they're not showing currently. You know, he is coming off of two seasons of being injured. Is it all rust? Is it all age? We don't know. But at this current moment, people are talking about trading A.J. Green. You're not going to get anything for him. Plain Period. Simple. You're not, like, and I'm seeing on Twitter... Like a lot of these crazy trade scenarios that the Bengals can try and figure out for for AJ Green, and and you're right. I'm so glad that you just brought up Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell is a prime example. Different position, but a guy that you thought that the second that the Jets made him available, you would think that because of his talent, teams would have been lining up. To, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that can use an upgrade at that position, and 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 especially with the fact that Le'Veon Bell is not just a running back. He he adds an element to your game that he's going to really you know mm-hmm. enhance your passing game as well. And no one lined up for him. The last I saw that he has it narrowed down between, I believe, the Chiefs, the Bills, and uh, I forgot the third one. Do you remember the third one by any chance? Uh, if you know, either way, I know that the Chiefs and Bills were part of his final three. Right. Um, and the Bills make a lot of sense. I mean, imagine that with the way that we've seen Josh Allen take that step forward. Josh Allen, uh, Stephon Diggs, and, and Le'Veon Bell. That's huge. But the reason Le'Veon Bell did not have a huge trade value is because of that contract. Mm-hmm. And that is also why you will not see AJ Green get traded, at least for anything other than a bag of footballs. Because it's not because teams don't buy in. Like I promise you this much: if AJ Green, if the Bengals just outright release him he's going to have a ton of calls yes sir teams even if they don't believe he has it at this moment there are teams out there who feel that man if we can get him on a decent deal we still believe he has enough left in the tank that another full off season another full season a full off season you know get him fully rehabilitated then he'll be okay teams will line up to get him but again there's a difference between man should we trade him and get something for him and can we trade him and mm-hmm. get something for him because the answer to that's easy no you can't get anything for him. He's paid a lot of money on that option this year. So, right. you know, unless the Bengals just choose to eat it to get something in return, then maybe. That's a decision that they will have to make. Uh, David, thank you. The Dolphins, that's right. Uh, I mean, imagine it with Le'Veon Bell. Mm. Uh, Le'Veon Bell going to it. I mean, this is why you need to figure out if you have to attack a low or not. Is he the real deal? Uh, you know, but uh, either way, if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I don't want to go to the Dolphins. You don't know what you got there yet. Um, the Bills, I'd feel if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I'd love to jump on the Bills. Um, but of course, the reigning defending Super Bowl champs, I kind of like Le'Veon Bell playing with Patrick Mahomes and company as well. So who knows um, how that is going to work? Where would out. you go if Le'Veon Bell? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chiefs, Chiefs. Uh, Clyde, Clyde edwards Lair, who was the running back for Kansas City that they they Williams. were t- Williams, and he opted out right. because of you know the coronavirus. Le'Veon Bell, if you just need him for one year. If you're the Chiefs, I'd pull the trigger on this in a heartbeat. They never intended, when they drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it was to use in a split-back formation anyways. Right. Uh, they were going to have split carries. That's what they wanted to do. Le'Veon Bell, not only does he you know, help you out as far as that goes, he also adds, I mean, imagine him and Patrick Mahomes hooking up. I mean, that that's cool. That would be something unique and something special. Not cool if you're in AFC. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you know what? That's, if, that's, on, the, that's on the Steelers. Right? The Steelers haven't even reached out. They said uh, they one article I read today that said a lot of teams, a good chunk of teams in the AFC reached out to him, 
most notably on the list of not reaching out, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Told you they wasn't going to do it, dog. So, Bengals fans, we'll get into this more later on. I'm just curious as far as that's concerned, like your thoughts on A.J. Green and what the Bengals should do. I know A.J. Green says he wants to be a part of the team, but at the end of the day, I just I don't know if he brings enough to the table right now for the Bengals to warrant keeping him. But maybe that is why you do keep him. Trading him gets you nothing. Keeping him, I don't think it hurts you. It gives you more time to figure out if he has anything left. I guess there's that angle. I don't trade him. Now that I think about it, as we're talking through this, I like this. If I'm the Bengals, actually, Kev, I don't trade him because he has no value. Right. And you risk trading him for nothing and then him going and all of a sudden just having it wherever he goes. Or you can give him and yourself another eight games, another ten games, to figure out if he still has it. And I think that is more valuable to the Bengals than trading him because you're not going to get anything of substance in return. I keep him. I keep A.J. Green no matter what. So, for me, it's you're going to get maybe a sixth, seventh round pick for A.J. Are you going to be able to – do you trust the Cincinnati Bengals enough to find that diamond in the rough? Do you trust the Cincinnati Bengals to find an Antonio Brown in the seventh round like the Pittsburgh Steelers did? No. That's the thing. So, you're right. Play it out. Maybe he rekindles his old form and be like, you know what? He is in our future plans. Maybe not the long-term deal that he wants, but a shorter-term deal where we can help develop our young quarterback some more with a really good receiver like A.J. Green. Yes. But, yeah, I wouldn't give him up for a seventh-round pick right now. I would see, I would roll the dice and see how it rolls. But we all know it's going to happen. A.J. Green is going to find his way to New England Patriots and turn back into A.J. Green. Just like Randy Moss turning back into Randy Moss when he got there. It's, it's going to happen. <laughs> that's, how it, that's how the cookie crumbles. And everybody in Cincinnati is going to be mad and kicking themselves. Like, he wasn't doing that for us. All right, folks. Hour number one in the books. Good stuff. There, we'll give you our top, or we'll give you our NFL picks using the uh, NFL Pro Football Pick'em Challenge at Wingam.com. Presented by Frickers. We get to that coming up in hour number two. Uh, we'll also get back into the Bengals AJ Green conversation. Also, the Cleveland Browns have a huge matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers this coming up weekend. Will they win? Will they win or will they lose? Well, the Browns had a big loss today, potentially. It could impact their matchup with the Steelers coming up on Sunday. We'll get to that in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash when we come back. Follow ESPN 1410 Wing AM on Facebook. Live here on ESPN Dayton. All right, this Monday, Buckeye fans, make sure you head to Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken in Inglewood for the Keith Byers Show. Keith Byers taking his show live out on the road. He'll be hosting his show live on Monday from noon to one from the Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken in Inglewood, kicking off the week to the week of the kickoff. Ohio State, Nebraska kicking off a week from Saturday, and uh, Keith wanted to kick the week off in, in you know in style. He wants to be he wants to take the show out on the road. He's going to be out in Inglewood at the Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken there, uh, hosting his show, doing his show live out on location. So make sure. You make your lunch plans accordingly. Head to Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken on Monday uh, for your lunch break and uh, spend your lunch break with the College Football Hall of Famer as he and you get set for Ohio State, Nebraska. He'll be setting the tone uh, for kickoff week next Monday, kicking off at Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken in Inglewood uh, once again. All right, Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Listen, stream, and watch. Listen at 1410 Wing AM. Stream at wingam.com. And now watch. Watch the show live. 
live on Facebook. Search The Justin Kinder Show on Facebook and you can watch and follow along with everything that we do right there. Earlier in the week, we were able to catch up with ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. We were able to talk about and recap all the exciting games and action from Week 5, as well as preview some of the top matchups coming up here in Week 6. So we'll talk about uh, some college football stuff, news and notes, and others coming up around the corner. But here's Jason Fitz. Let's dive right into this. This is a conversation we had to open up the show today, Jason. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, based on what you've seen five games in, if you could only pick, if you could redraft right now and you could only take one of those, who is the quarterback that you're taking between those two? And just for gigs, we could throw two in there as well. But Joe Burrow, Justin uh, Herbert, who are you taking between one of those two right now with what you've seen five games in? Joe Burrow. I'm still taking Joe Burrow. And I'll tell you why. I know that's not a popular take, but... This is what we always do with every single quarterback that comes into the league. We become infatuated with very small works, uh, group of, body of evidence, right? So you get a couple of games in and you say, oh, my God, we've got our guy. And everybody knows I'm a Raiders fan, right? And at the end of the 2016 season, Raiders fans were convinced their car was going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. Because as we see good from a quarterback, we decide that that good is everything. And then, you know, look at Baker. Baker Mayfield was the second coming year one, year two. He was suddenly trash, and now year three, he's somewhere in the middle of it. That's why I keep telling everybody it takes so much time. But the one thing I'll say is that what matches, any tendencies you see that match what they did in college matter to me. So I'm going to go back to who Justin Herbert was in college, and he was a good dynamic playmaker that was able to extend plays and make fun plays with his arm. That's spectacular. But if you look at the metrics in college, when he got blitzed, it wasn't always pretty. If you look at the metrics so far in the pros, for whatever reason, people have been afraid to blitz him. But so far, when he faces a blitz, he has the second lowest uh, completion percentage in the NFL. So while I understand that, that Herbert has made some big plays and it's been fun to watch, i got to wait and see a quarterback evolve against what defensive coordinators are going to throw at him. And I'm still going to look at Joe Burrow and say, hey, I'm seeing – so much good from him in college that that plays into part of how I see him in the pros. You know, we saw that horrible injury with Dak on Sunday, and the whole rhetoric all week has been, it's Jerry Jones' fault. Is it anybody's fault, or is this just football? No, it's just football. Like, sometimes bad things happen to good people, you know, and that's, that's the one thing, you know, for all the conversation about money, and that's, I can't imagine, just a second, give me one second on the soapbox. I can't imagine if somebody that I loved was going through this horrific injury and the first conversation was never about their well-being, it was instead about their money. I just think that's one of the worst things about the way we are as sportsmen. So having said that, I think the most incredible moment was to see the way the players and coaches and everybody went to Dak's side, which tells you how beloved he is. I mean, you don't do that for every single player. Not every player gets that level of love. So that's a huge statement to Dak. The other side of it is, though, business is business. Dak rolled the dice. The Cowboys rolled the dice. And I, frankly, everybody keeps talking about Dak like he rolled the dice wrong. I'm not buying it because all indications are he's going to make a full recovery. And when he does, I still think somebody's going to pay him mega money. And if it's not the Cowboys, I still think somebody's going to pay him mega money and they'll trade draft picks to get him because they know who Dak can be. And you got the choice between the known entity of Dak or rolling the dice in the draft. You're taking Dak, I believe. So, you know, the Cowboys are the ones that I think are really, they, they put themselves you know, up a creek because Andy Dalton is just good enough to win some football games, and that's just good enough to get them into a spot where they're not going to be able to draft the quarterback that they would need to replace Dak. So, you know, I think the Cowboys are pinned in, but I don't think it's anyone's fault. It's just sometimes football stinks. 
I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so I was very upset to see Le'Veon Bell sit out the season, then sign with the Jets. And now the word is they're trying to shop Le'Veon Bell. What possibly could the Jets get for Le'Veon? Nothing. I, I mean, there's just no market for him, right? Like, why would you trade for that huge? I mean, that's a lot of money for mm-hmm. Le'Veon, and we've seen so little from him. But the other side of this is why are they letting Adam Gates do anything that has long-term <laughs> ramifications? If I'm the Jets and I'm going to let you at least stay in the building, you ain't going to get to make any important phone calls. It's like, no, you're not grounded. You're not fired completely, but you, you've lost all phone privileges. Like, that's step number one. I'm not letting anybody in that building make any big decisions until I know who's actually going to be running the team and coaching the team next year, because I don't believe any of them are safe. What do you think? And you talk about who you don't think anyone's safe. What about Sam Darnold? Uh, you know, I remember when the, the talk of the Bengals having the number one overall pick, the big conversation was, you know, good quarterbacks coming out of college that go to bad organizations and how good quarterbacks coming out could be ruined. Uh, that was a big topic around here, talking about Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati, you know, months and months ago before the draft. But, you know, then you see a situation like Sam Darnold and the Jets. I don't know who Sam Darnold is, and I don't think that's his fault. I don't know if the narrative fits here that it's the Jets' fault. I mean, what's the future of Sam Darnold? Is he a Jet next year? And if not, where do you think the, what do you think the market could be for a Sam Darnold? I really think that, you know, okay, I, I get that people want them to go after Trevor Lawrence. If I'm the Jets and I end up being the worst team in football, I, I know that Trevor Lawrence has the opportunity to be special, and most people will disagree with me on this. I'm trading that pick for the mother of all bounties that I could possibly get because, uh, look, I don't love Sam Darnold. I I didn't love Sam Darnold coming out of college. I think he's sort of who he was at USC, super talented guy that will make a ton of great plays, and then every once in a while he'll throw a boneheaded pick to somebody that he's much better than, and that's what he did in college, and that's sort of who he is with the Jets. So I, I was hopeful that the Jets would be able to fix some of those tendencies for him. That hasn't happened, so... You know, but for but if you're the Jets, I mean, I, I genuinely believe I don't care who they put. Be, I, I don't care if they put Patrick Mahomes behind that Jets offensive line. They don't have other weapons. They don't have a good line. They don't have a team that's really worth playing on. They they need an all new roster, and that's not a, a popular take for a lot of people in New York. But those are the moments you got to look at it and say, hey, maybe what you need is to tear the whole thing down to the studs and rebuild. And and I believe that's what the Giants and the Jets are going to be looking at this offseason, and I don't think one player will accomplish enough of that. So I'm, I'm looking at the bevy of picks. I think I think Darnold's still going to get a chance. If he hits the open market, somebody will give up a third-rounder for him at least, if not more. You know, Kenner and I have this debate all the time about if you're the number one guy like a Trevor Lawrence and the Jets or the Lions have the number one pick and they have their eyes set on you, and I'm a proponent of I'll go back to school, I'll sit out, I'll pull a John Elway, I'll pull a Eli Manning. He sits on the other side of the fence with that saying, you know, it's an honor to be picked in the draft, go play. If you're good enough, you can make it happen. I'm just a person that believes that, man, these teams have been terrible for so long, and they'll ruin you. Now, we don't know if Sam Darnold would have been good if he went to another team, but we do know he's bad with the Jets. And we do know that the Lions have had two of the best position players of all time and a uh, Calvin Johnson and then a Barry Sanders, and they did absolutely nothing with him. Where do you come down on the Trevor Lawrence if he's going to go to the Jets or Lions, him deciding to go back to school thing? The only problem, and, and look, I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. The only problem, there's two things. One, I believe that there's a bit of a God complex to a lot of these guys that are coming out at the top of the draft that believe that they can fix anything. But two, 
and this is big. I mean, money's money, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. if you're Trevor Lawrence, you can take that insurance policy out all day that people talk about, but uh, they rarely tell you how difficult they are to, to actually cash in and, you know, how much less it is. Like, if you're Trevor Lawrence, the day you sign, you're going to be getting TV money, you're going to be getting advertising money, and you're going to get a disgusting amount of money from a team to go play for a bad organization. So, you know, it only takes one, God forbid, Dak Prescott-like moment, mm. and everything changes for Trevor Lawrence. So I, if I'm Trevor, I go out and I, you know what, I just do the best I can with what I got. And I I, I go into, if you're going into New York especially, I mean, you talk about just you're going to be in New York. Like the, the marketing opportunities for, you know, a, a likable young man like him, I, I think would be through the roof. So as much as those franchises are absolutely at times a dumpster fire, I don't see how you can justify not taking the cash. ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz with us here. Uh, last thing, and we'll let you go, but you got the Steelers, you got the Browns coming up this weekend, a big matchup. Again, both teams really trying to prove a lot. Like We, we don't really know who the Steelers are. We trust them because they have a veteran uh, coach, a respected organization. You have Big Ben back this year. They haven't played anyone that really... You know that they've beat that you could say oh that that for sure that Pittsburgh is back. Then you look at Cleveland. They're four and one. They're rolling. They, you know right now it's, they're at an all time high. This is a big game for both franchises this weekend. Who comes away? Is Pittsburgh a three and a half point favorite as we sit right now? I well look. I, I find myself believing in the Steelers because I still think about last year and how bad their quarterback situation was and how good that team still was. So mm-hmm. I'm applying a little bit of that forward this year. But this is what I will say about the Browns. I think everybody last year was too high on the Browns, and everybody this year is too low on the Browns. And, you know, that that to me is sort of what happens when a bunch of national media people make some big statements about the, a, a team and then they get bit, you know, by it. So they come in the next year a little more cautious. The, the only question last year about the Browns was their coaching, and they've answered this year what it looks like when you have a competent coach there. And, and I, I think what the Browns are doing offensively is absolutely incredible. And, you know, I always love to throw out these stats, but their run block win rate is the second highest in the NFL. Like the, the Browns are doing things, rushing the football, that's making it easy for them to throw the football, which is alarming because they have a lot of talented people to throw the football to. So I have a hard time seeing, you know, sort of how anybody's going to slow down the Browns right now. I think they're very good. But, man, I, I believe that the Steelers are going to come out with a bit of a statement here. But ultimately, I think the Steelers win this game. I think the Steelers and Browns are both playoff teams, though. Congratulations to your Raiders, by the way. Um, I will ask you this without taking anything away from your Raiders win. Kansas City has looked a little questionable the last couple of weeks. Is there something? I mean, again, no one, I didn't expect them to go undefeated. I, I don't think that, you know, it's very difficult to go undefeated. For one, just your Raiders looked really good. But two, is there something going on with Kansas City that they just haven't looked as explosive the last couple of weeks? Yeah, there is. And I, I'll actually credit Belichick, as we always do for everything, but it's <laughs> here. I think Bill put a little bit of something on tape. And, and, again, I'll go back to these crazy stats, but this one really interested me on the Raiders-Chiefs game. In the second half, or in the game itself, uh, the Raiders got 29 quarterback pressures. People keep talking about that. But the real significant stat is that their offensive line had a 65% pass rush win rate, which means, which is actually better than normal. So it means that they actually kept the Raiders' front four under sort of check, so in check. So how did they get so many quarterback pressures? Well, Mahomes held the ball in that game longer than he has in any game in his entire career. And that's what Belichick showed everybody is, hey, you can vary up your coverages and confuse Mahomes. And that's what the Raiders did in the second half. That's what shut him down. They took a page out of Belichick's book. And I think now what we're going to see is a lot of 
zone blitz and a lot of, hey, how can we drop different people into coverage? Because if you make Mahomes hesitate for just a second, that can be enough to help you at least at least disrupt the timing of the plays. So he's still going to do otherworldly things, but I do think that there's been a blueprint on how to at least slow him down a little bit, which is scary for the Chiefs. Spain and Fitz, weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. right here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. You can catch Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz, who's awesome enough to join us every Tuesday from now and through uh, the end of December. Jason, thank you so much. Give Jason a follow on Twitter, at Jason Fitz, F-I-T-Z. Jason, thank you. Take care. We'll talk in a week. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. Peace. Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. And we are back. Justin Kidder, Kevin Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Head to Facebook, search The Justin Kidder Show, like and follow along. And when you are tuning in and you are watching the show, hit the share button at the bottom. When you hit that share button, you will be automatically enrolled into winning $25 in Frickers Fun Bucks, which I have right here in my hand. And if you're watching on Facebook, you can see me holding them up. They're real. I mean, well, it's not real. I mean, but they're, they're real. They're real. You can get Frickers with these. $25 in Frickers. Uh, but so far, no need to be concerned as far as that goes. He still, as of right now, is going to play Sunday. I know earlier in the week, Baker was experiencing some rib trouble. He sat out of a practice already. Uh, but in his uh, meeting with the, in, uh, his with his meeting with the media, stated that it's going to take a lot to keep him out of that game on Sunday. As he said his mom didn't raise no wuss. Uh, <laughs> so whatever that means. So there you go. Um, look, I, I don't, look, I, I don't think that... Uh, OBJ plays, and the Browns are definitely going to win, but I think if he doesn't play, it's already going to make what is going to be a difficult game to win for the Browns already. It's going to make it that much more difficult. OBJ helps this team at times without even actually putting his hands on a ball, um, just by the way that the defense gears towards him uh, and the attention that the defense gives him. So to me, it's just one of those things where him not being on the field, regardless of what his stat line is at the end of the game, it's still a big blow to the Cleveland Browns. So they need him out there. They desperately need OBJ this weekend. And, uh, I mean, you look at it, Cleveland's the number one scoring team in the AFC. As crazy as that sounds, they score more points a game than the Chiefs, more points a game than the Steelers, more, more points per game than the Patriots. I mean, they are the number one scoring team in the AFC. They are going to need every weapon ready and ready to go uh, mm-hmm. if they want a chance to beat Pittsburgh coming up on Sunday. OBJ is a huge part of that team, not only receiving the ball, but like you said, He's a decoy a lot of the times as well. You know, when they send him around in motion on that fake go sweep, eyes go to him because of that 50-yard run he has against the Cowboys. you got to stay aware of where he is all the time. So if he's not able to play, that's definitely a blow for the Browns. Um, but I will say this, man. Like, we talked about this over the summer. We always were questioning is are we going to start just look at guys that come down with COVID and miss a game? It's just like, oh, man, he had a, a hamstring pull. Oh, well type of situation or are we still going to keep it serious so like that's why i worry about guys coming down with covid or the actual flu or or cold and everything like that they have to take it very serious because they don't want a wide team spread out of this whole covid and everything like that so they're doing the right things they're doing the things that's necessary to make sure that everybody else on the team is safe and him to see if he can play you know and i want him to play too because you know you don't want teams to have 
an excuse. You don't want to hear the Browns fans on Monday saying, oh, if OBJ would have played, we would have won. You don't want to hear that as a as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You want them at their best. You I, And more importantly, man, I'm a fan of football. I want to see them just for pure entertainment purposes. You know what I'm saying? It's entertainment. So I'm here for it. I hope he's there to play. And uh, I guarantee it's going to be a great game. That's something I can guarantee. It's going to be one. It's going to be a great game. I can't wait. All right, four five seven nine four six four. This is a tweet uh, that came out yesterday from uh, Mary Kay Cabbage, and I found this interesting. Cam Hayward, uh, that the Steelers plan to inflict good punishment on Brown's Baker Mayfield and make him think about his rib injury during the game. Yes, you should. Take your helmet off, Baker. Swing it at him. That's oh, how goodness. you keep him away. Get out of here, man. When the dude. So hold on. You play competitive high school basketball and college basketball. Don't you don't be you're being friendly with the college basketball thing, but sure I'll give it to you. It makes me sound cooler. <laughs> so when a Why guy, ball, baby, Why ball? So when a guy had a little wrap on his hand or his wrist, you didn't touch, you didn't test it, didn't give it a little nudge, a little thump action, a little all oh, in, oh you boxing out on a rebound, a little, a little squeeze when you pulling up for a jumper, tap that wrist. You never did that. It's hard to do that from the bench. Oh, okay. Well, you didn't play like I played. And if I did, and by the way, let's be clear, you don't go out and say, "Oh man, if if they if they you know are showing that show, uh, you know showing any kind of weakness at their sores, I'm going to go for his wrist. I'm going to go for his ankle. I'm going to go for his knee. I'm going to go for his ribs." All I'm saying is, if the Browns came out and said this about the Steelers, we'd be ripping the Browns. We'd be saying, "Oh, here we go. They're opening their mouth." Blah blah blah. Blah, 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 blah. Come on, man. This is football, man. I know it's football. You don't need to remind me that it's football. <laughs> if I know damn well that it's football. I'm any, saying is I like to point out the hypocrisy. This is though. not hypocrisy. This is why I hate the Steelers right here. This is not this hypocrisy. Right here. This is the game And they of wonder football. why they get, they, they get helmets swung at them because they talk too much. But Cam Hayward's a Buckeye. I don't care. Once, Once a Buckeye, guy, always a Buckeye. Guy. <laughs> Unless you're Tate Martell. Just like to remind people that. But yeah, Cam Cam Hayward says that look, they are going to inflict good punishment. Great word usage, by the way. You know, yeah. good. You know, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, you know, but when the Browns say anything cocky like this, oh, they have to shut up. They they they're told to shut up. Now I get it. It's the Steelers. No They've one said anything right. when Kareem Hunt said this is for Miles Garrett. Yeah, they did. They had to come out yesterday, make a statement saying that this game's not about that because right away the media was jumping on that and running away with it, saying, oh, here we go, we're making it about that again, that all eyes are going to have to be on that, which, by the way, all eyes will be on that situation, but there's not a situation. Mason Rudolph's not the quarterback. He's not going to be out on the field. All right, let's so hope not. <laughs> Let's hope. Where is he on their depth chart? Is he the next guy up? Yeah, he's back up still. Who's the third string guy? Duck. Still, I thought Duck was released. No, they brought him. Well, no, uh, the, the Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs got released from Jacksonville. They brought him back and put Duck on the practice squad for some strange reason. Duck, Duck, Duck should Goose. be the backup. So, either way, at this point, I, look, I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, uh, this is going to be, this is such a fun matchup this weekend because this isn't like a, I mean, like like we talked about yesterday, this is the highest win percentage between a Browns, uh, between a Browns team and an opponent this far into the season since they returned to Cleveland. Like, the, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's insane to me uh, that that's how irrelevant and how bad Cleveland has been uh, for so long. And this is a huge game, as we talked about yesterday. However you want to word it, biggest game to this point, biggest game of the season, whatever, it doesn't matter. To me, there's a lot of big games coming up this weekend, but I don't think any game is bigger than what this one is 
just because of how competitive this AFC North division is going to be. If you're Pittsburgh, your schedule's a little difficult moving forward. Mm -hmm. Losing to Cleveland is a bad thing because, for one, it's Cleveland. But, two... You don't want to, you know, fall far behind in that division. Losing to Cleveland doesn't mean you'll fall, fall far in that division. But Cleveland has five winnable games in a row. All right, they they can go four and one after this game with the Steelers. They can go five and zero oh after this game with the Steelers. There's a lot of wins on deck for the Browns if they stay healthy, barring any kind of COVID outbreak or any other kind of injury, you know, outbreak as far as that's concerned. So if you are Pittsburgh, this game is bigger than just, oh, we just got to get a win because they're the next opponent up on our schedule. Cleveland's in your division. They have five winnable games coming up. Cleveland's already four and one, and they're not the typical Browns team that we're accustomed to seeing the last couple of years. So if you are Pittsburgh, this game is big. Now, I talked earlier. It was a three-and-a-half-point line. It shifted to a three-point line. Now it's back at a three-and-a-half-point line. So there you go. Whatever that means, I like to pay attention to that because there's always some things swaying in there that are leading to the movement of that line um, as far as that's concerned. But, again, we talked about the difficulty in the schedule coming up. I mean, it's not really difficult. It's just there's an opportunity coming up, like I said, where you have the, t- uh, the Steelers who are 4-0, the Browns who are 4-1. and After the, the Browns, you have to go on the road at Tennessee and on the mm-hmm. road at Baltimore and on the road at Dallas. Now, Dallas is bad, but you're still playing on the road, three straight games on the road. And if you are 0-2 against the Titans and, and, the, and the Ravens, now you're vulnerable against a bad team like the Cowboys because now you're not as confident. Right. So this game is huge for the Steelers because if the Browns win... The Steelers have to go on the road at the Titans. The Steelers have to go on the road at the Ravens. They have to go on the road at the Cowboys. You know what happens after Cleveland plays the Steelers? Let's just say that they win and they're 5-1. and one. Mm-hmm. They're going to the Bengals. They're going to be 6-1. and one. And the Raiders, they could be 7-1. and one. The Texans, 8-1. and one. The Eagles, they could be 9-1. and one. The Jaguars, they could be 10-1. and one. They could be 10-1. and one. And if... The Pittsburgh Steelers slip up against the Ravens and against the Titans. Now you are behind the Cleveland Browns in the AFC North by two games by the end of November. By the end of November. I'm not stirring the pot here. I'm not doing I mean, I'm not guaranteeing that Cleveland wins all those games. But those are winnable games. And those are games that Cleveland will be favored in. The NFC East is garbage. Mm-hmm. And the Texans have been garbage. The Raiders, that's a that that's gonna be probably a gimme game right there, because you don't know which Raiders team's gonna show up on any given week. Who knows how that game's going to go? Bottom line is, is that crazy enough? The Browns by the end of November can be ten and one, nine and two. All right, they could be eight and three. But the bottom line is, Pittsburgh. This is a huge game this weekend because their schedule is more difficult for the next month, and you don't want the Browns to separate themselves from you. That's embarrassing if you're a Steelers fan. That's embarrassing if you're the Steelers. But you know what I mean? Like you're already worried about paying attention to Baltimore, and I think all the eyes are on Baltimore. And Cleveland is quietly going to be making some noise in this division if they are able to get a win against Pittsburgh, which I think they're capable of doing. But, man, this would springboard Cleveland into that magical season that I was predicting from the beginning. I predicted 12-4. and four. You thought I was crazy. But I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I think I was kind of crazy, too. But I'm like, I don't think I'm so crazy anymore. Like, 12 wins is very doable if you're the Cleveland Browns. Road to 12-4. and four. Uh, Yeah, I mean, all the teams that Pittsburgh has beat early in the season, it's the Browns' turn to play them because they're playing the a- NFC least, as you like to call them. So it's their turn to play them and uh, possibly rack up some wins. But, you know, that's you just play the games that's on the schedule. You know, people talk about the opponents that the Steelers have played. They only won three games total. Well, they're on the schedule. 
That's who you got to play because guess what? If they'd have lost to them, then there would be trouble. Then there would be problems. So you can only play who's on the schedule, beat who you're supposed to beat, and let the cards fall where they may. I sound like a coach. I sound like Mike Tomlin. It's getting hot in the kitchen. It's the AFC North. What was that blah, supposed blah, blah, to mean? Hot in the kitchen. What's that uh, supposed uh, to mean? Use whatever cliche you want to use because I, I sense I sense it it ratcheting it up over there on this other side of the glass. I sense it ratcheting it up. You, you're trying I'm to you, you're, you're ratcheting it up. You're turning up the heat in here. It's cool, you know. I, I, putting the pressure on my sealers. Trust me. Ain't no pressure, man. The pressure is on your Steelers. There's more pressure on Pittsburgh than Cleveland this weekend, in my opinion. Break it down. If the Steelers win, it's because they're supposed to. If Cleveland wins, let's be clear here. Like, because you can, like, people respect the roster of Cleveland. You take the Browns' name away from them. That's a respectable roster. But no matter what happens, when you lose to the Cleveland Browns, it's embarrassing. And that's Cleveland's fault for being such a big loser for so long. That even when they have a good roster and beat teams, I still have heard it all week. Man, how bad do things get in Dallas when you lost to Cleveland? Cleveland's good this year. What are you talking about? How bad do you have to be to lose to Cleveland? Cleveland is good this year. Okay? I'm not saying they're great, but they are good. It is not embarrassing anymore to lose to the Cleveland Browns, at least to that roster. But it is still embarrassing. The perception has not changed. They are still the Browns. They have a whole lot of losing history, recent history, that is weighing on the perception of who they are. So even when they play good, even when they win games, even when they sit here a month and a half into the season at 4-1 and one and atop the division with the rest of them, we're still not putting respect on their name. You know, So when Pittsburgh wins on Sunday, it's going to be, oh, well, Cleveland, well, you know, there's the same old Cleveland. They lost to, they lost to Pittsburgh. You know, what else is new? But when Cleveland beats Pittsburgh, then it's a different story. Does the score of the game count? Does it matter how the if the Browns were to lose? Does it matter how they lose? If they lose by a field goal, if or if they get blown out like they did in Week One versus the Ravens, like yes, is, is, it, is, it, is a loss a loss or is it actually like a moral victory? It won't be a moral victory because we're past that. We gave Baker the moral victories his rookie season, and we were willing to try to do it early into last year because they had a new coach in Freddie Kitchens. Kevin Stefanski's not get, getting that honeymoon treatment of giving him the benefit of the doubt if he makes any kind of decision. So. If they lose a close one, it's Baker's fault. If they lose a blowout law, and if they lose in a blowout, it's because, well, Baker's just not that good anyways. Like, I think, it, you know, if Pittsburgh blows Cleveland out, a loss is a loss is my point, I guess. Mm-hmm. A loss is a loss. Baker's, there is no. Baker could throw for 300 yards. He's going to throw an interception against Pittsburgh. He's going to throw an interception. Two at the most, he's going to throw an interception. So that's going to be weighing against him from the very get-go. So I think there is more pressure on Pittsburgh in this game than Cleveland. Sound like a lot of pressure on QB six. No, because he's Baker's Baker. This is what he does. Have you seen this? Not like under, like you know, we're he's hiding. He's playing horribly in the second half. I was listening to some sports talk today, and they were breaking down his numbers in the second half and just how garbage he is. He has been straight up garbage in the second half. He is even more. He's garbage square in the fourth quarter. He's not good. He has been absolutely atrocious in the second half. But the reason that I've, I said this earlier in the week that it's a silver lining is because Cleveland, they needed perfect games out of Baker a year ago to win. Like, if he didn't have as close to a perfect game as possible, they didn't win a game. They needed him to be perfect. This year they are proving that they are more than quarterback reliant and that they're winning games even when their quarterback's not playing well. So that is something to keep in mind um, as far as that is concerned. I'm excited about this game this week. All I'm saying is that you have to admit – 
I know you're saying the right things. How good Cleveland is. Cleveland's a respectable run. It's embarrassing to lose to Cleveland. It is. I don't care what anybody says, and I'm a Browns fan. It, the reason I know it's embarrassing to lose to the Browns is because Browns fans are even uncomfortable when they win. When the Browns win, Browns fans are uncomfortable like, we won. We, that was we a y'all, won. That was a we y'all won. insecurities. Those, those are y'all insecurities. But those insecurities that exist for the Browns fans exist for the perception of the franchise outside, too. No one likes losing. The best thing that could have happened to the Steelers last year, the best thing that ever happened to that franchise was the fact that the narrative after the Browns beat the Steelers was that Mason Rudolph got his head beat in with the helmet. <laughs> because if that didn't happen, that would have been embarrassing last year losing to Cleveland. It wasn't embarrassing losing to Cleveland last year because, oh, man, Cleveland, look at that I'll dysfunctional that, franchise. I'll say the tie... In week one of Baker's rookie years was more embarrassing. Baker than didn't loss. play that game. That was tied. I know. Right I know. I'm just saying, like his rookie season, I say that tie was more embarrassing. They were up 13 points in the fourth quarter, going in for the ceiling score. Connor fumbles the ball. Uh, the Browns score like 13 straight points and tie it up, and then it goes overtime and it's a tie. So you had the game in the bag, and and Ben played that game. Mm-hmm. So. The the year last year with the helmet thing, we're on the backup quarterback. We're terrible on offense. I wasn't embarrassed at that game. I was more embarrassed of the tie. Like, dude, we had you the shouldn't game be. In the that back. Cleveland team was better Baker's rookie year than the team last year. Not roster wise, team wise. That was a better team his rookie year. They play. They they took it. To, I mean, they were competitive with everybody. They weren't competitive last year. They were garbage last year. Hall and they beat your 8-8 eight eight Steelers. Yeah. 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 But I was more embarrassed that my you Hall of Fame quarterback could not engineer a touchdown in the second half. Okay. Okay. Or, or any points for that matter. Four five seven nine four six four. Justin Kinder, Kev Nash with you here. Who is the pressure on this weekend? Is it the Cleveland Browns or Steelers? Who is facing more pressure? I think it is the Pittsburgh Steelers because if Cleveland loses, well, they're the Cleveland Browns. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to lose... To Pittsburgh. That's how it is. It's like when Ohio State, Michigan plays. Even on the years that Michigan, they're pretty good. But when they lose to Ohio State, we've gotten to the point where it's like, well, that's what they do. They lose to Ohio State. And the longer the winning streak goes on for Ohio State over Michigan, the more pressure is going to start building on Ohio State at some point. Because there is no pressure on Michigan. You're supposed to lose to Ohio State after a certain point. And that's where we're at with Cleveland and the Pittsburgh Steelers as far as that is concerned. Uh, Ron Howard says, I don't care uh, what they say. Garrett will be targeted. Pouncey will be out to get his ass. I don't think Pouncey's playing. So you're Ron already, Ron, but thanks for playing. He's he's on the injury (laughs) report. Uh, But, yeah, Ron, he's – yeah. You talked about that, too. I mean, there's going to be some linemen missing for the Steelers, which, by the way – Part of the game, dog. It's part of the game, but that's that's not good for Pittsburgh because although Pittsburgh Cleveland's defense is not that good, the strength of their defense is up front. And if yes. Pittsburgh, you know, that's where Cleveland's going to have to find a way to capitalize, which they've found ways to capitalize and take advantage of that uh, the entire time. But four five seven nine four six four, that's the number to call in real quick. We're uh, getting these to go. David Shaw says uh, this isn't one of those years that it's embarrassing to lose against the Browns. That's that sounds like the right thing to say, but that's not true because. The Browns still feel like the like it's the Browns. No, y'all feel like that. No, the the media, I like watch. That. I listen to sports radio all day. I, I watch ESPN all day. I watch Fox Sports their shows. I, every one of them still do the whole man. The Cowboys. I can't believe they lost to the Browns. And that's actually the best team that they've lost to this year. Is the Browns? So like I, I don't know what what would that even mean. I'm not even upset about it. I get it. 
It is still the Browns. It's weird talking about the Browns being 4-1. and one. Even the people that hate the Browns. It's weird seeing that the Browns are 4-1 and one, uh, as far as next man up. Give me a break with this next man up stuff. I'm tired of hearing the, the, uh, you know, the typical sports, you know, next man up mentality. Next man up mentality, that means the good guy is not there. And you better hope that this, the second string guy could at least just carry his weight for a little bit. Marquise Pouncey returns to practice, but David DeCastro misses practice again. That's All right. the latest. Mullet. We'll see. Who do we got? Four five seven nine four six four. Let's go to Chris. Chris, what's up? Hey, how you guys doing? Hey. Good. So I'm kind of with Justin here. I think it's a bigger game for Pittsburgh because of the Browns' strength of schedule, and that being they have the the easiest schedule remaining, you know, of of, of any team. Um, and, and not only that, I think the more important games for Cleveland. I mean, and I'm a Browns fan, so I know how important the Steelers game is. But I think more important. More important for the Browns are beating teams like the Colts, beating the Raiders, beating the teams that are going to be like that sixth and seventh seed or five, six, seven seed, um, and and getting in that way. No, I'm with you. That's why, you know, when you look at Cleveland's schedule coming up, so after Pittsburgh, they're at Cincinnati, they have the Raiders, Texans, Eagles, Jaguars, they are at the Titans. That's going to be a game, like after this, pit, the next the next big game for Cleveland after Pittsburgh this weekend, yes, oh, it's, since we're in the world of cliches for Kevin and David and others, <laughs> the next team up, the Bengals, is the next biggest game. No, the next biggest game for the Browns is going to be that Titans matchup on December 6th, um, and then they're at the, then they have the Ravens at home the following week, but then they close out the season against the Giants, Jets, and they close out the regular season against Pittsburgh. So, well, well you know. see though, Justin, that's kind of what I'm saying. Though I'm not even sure what I mean by this is. I, I see. I think the Titans are going to win that division. So then the second team to get a wild card is going to be the Colts, and we done beat them. So now we have that advantage. Like Kansas City is going to win the West. So, and I think the Vegas Raiders are going to be right there. So if we beat them... So you're talking tiebreaker situations if it comes Correct. to... Yeah, okay. Now, that's a great point uh, as far as that goes. And, and Pittsburgh has to be thinking in those terms as well because right now, I don't care how good we're talking about Cleveland. Baltimore is winning this division until I see something differently. I don't care about their loss to Kansas City. So you make a great point. Uh, right now, it's those tie-breaking situations that are going to come into play. And that's a, I, I'm glad that you bring that up, especially with the win against the Colts. That was a big one. And that Raiders game, you know what? You swayed me. That is another, that's, that is another huge one coming up around and the corner. Because the way that I'm looking at it is they have four wins right now. They still play the Giants, the Jets, the Bengals, the Jaguars, and Houston. That's nine wins. Now, if you can beat a Baltimore, you can beat a Pittsburgh or a Tennessee, now that's just extra to getting into the wild card and getting in the playoffs because we know as Browns fans, all we want to do is make the damn playoffs. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. And uh, right now it's a hot start. I just hope that they don't go and embarrass themselves against Pittsburgh and it's going to like mentally just swipe what they've accomplished so far a month into the season. Last um, thing on the game, I really wish we had Chubb. I, I just... I really wish we had him this game. I think, obviously, he'll be back for that second game. But I just the running game wasn't like it's been last week. And I, I think for that, we missed him a little bit. 
Uh, yeah, uh, but I love the fact that, you know, even after they lost Chubb against Dallas, they didn't miss a beat. They kept going. Uh, they win a very tough game against the Colts the next week without Chubb. So they're finding ways. that They're overcoming adversity, which shows signs of a team that's maturing. Uh, they don't win these games a year ago. I keep over. I keep trying to overemphasize that, but that I mean, that's the truth. They don't win these games a year ago. So uh, I've been impressed with what they've been able to do, but I'm with you. I would love to, for them to have Nick Chubb going up against the Steelers team this weekend. All right, Justin. Hey, big game. Go Browns. Go Browns. Take care, man. Great hearing from you. Hmm? All right, 457-9464. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash Live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. Oh, that's my sign. That, that that's my sign. Yeah, we're, we're gonna the wrong button, but it is your sign. That's my sign. All right, we're gonna get to your phone calls. We have a couple more coming in. We're gonna get to on the other side. Um, you know, David Shaw says so. The Browns are already giving themselves an out. I have no clue what that even means. What I mean, what? How are Browns fans giving themselves an out? What's the out? All I, I mean, Kevin's already brought up the fact that they're without three of their starting offensive linemen. That sounds like an out to me. And, and what do I always say about injuries? Next man up. Ooh. No, I say it's part of the game. That's part, part of the sports. game. Oh, well. Next man up. Ooh. Like, oh, he, they, they, y'all talked about Nick Chubb. Chubb's out. It's part of the game, man. When OBJ. We, when we come back, I'm going to tell you why you could be anything you want to be. Don't go anywhere. It's part of the game. game. Uh, Make up for it. Make it happen. No excuses. Ain't you heard gonna, the music. Go to break. Go to break. Go to break. We'll be back. Now at Menards, save big money in your next project with 11% off everything. Menards has a great selection of ideal garage doors to choose from. Styles range from the classic look to traditional and contemporary to modern. You're sure to find a door that fits your style. Buckeye fans, the season is finally here. No, for real this time. ESPN 1410 Wing AM is Dayton's home of the And everyone knows my feelings on Cowboys fans. But really, Justin Kenner, you're a Cowboys fan and a Browns fan. Lord have mercy. I don't know what the hell to do with y'all. I really don't. Back to the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. All right, I have $25 in Fricker's Fun Bucks to go out to those who share the page. Again, when you share the page, you'll be entered into a drawing to win $25 in Fricker's Bucks. Good at all of Fricker's locations. So head to Facebook. Search the Justin Kinner Show. When you are watching the Justin Kenner Show and Facebook, watching today's show right now, when you get there, hit the share button at the bottom. We get all the notifications here, all the names and Facebook accounts of those who share it. And we'll, of course, be uh, having a random drawing. for. Well, a couple months ago, I didn't know if we were going to have a season. So. No kidding. And to be able to talk about meaningful football at this point of the year for the Browns. How about that? You may not even be a Browns fan. Exactly. I'm, I'm a Browns fan. I, I put a little more pressure on the Browns this game just being a biased fan. I, I think... You know, we've never really gotten over that hump of being able to be competitive with the Ravens or Steelers, and I feel like there's a, a good portion of the fan base who still has that fear that we could slip back into the dark ages. So while while this game doesn't necessarily ruin their season, like you said, they have some easy games ahead of them, I just feel like this is a, a big game to bring the confidence back to Cleveland and kind of a real big turning point in the franchise just to cement the progress we've already made. No, that's a great point. I mean, and that's what I thought last year's win over the Steelers was going to be. If you remember back to when they beat Pittsburgh, um, after that game with Pittsburgh, that was like the last game of the first half of the season. And the the big narrative was that the Browns, who had you know basically almost buried themselves early, they had the easiest strength of schedule for the second half of the season. And then they beat Pittsburgh, and then they enter that stage. And I thought, man, it, everything aligns for them perfectly. You had that win over Pittsburgh, and then now you get to kind of hit the road and you know try to get your spot into the playoffs. 
playoffs, and then they just crumbled from there. Of course, Miles Garrett suspended for the rest of the year, and they just never looked the same again. So we know what a win over Pittsburgh could mean. They didn't get to capitalize on that last year, and they're going to have a big, uh, big opportunity coming up this weekend. Yeah, and, and I think a win over a full-strength Pittsburgh would go a long way for the confidence of this program. Nice. Mike, let me ask you something. If the Browns were to lose this game, would you have different feelings if they lost a close game or if it was a blowout game? Yeah, I mean, a, cl- a close game would obviously, you know, not put that fear that we're going to slip into the dark ages. But, um, you know, and, and it, how they bounce back goes a long way with uh, seeing where, what, how the season will end up. But um, if we went in there and, and we got blown out by the Steelers, just like we got blown out by the Ravens in week one, it would really uh, make me feel like I'm standing on shaky ground. To me, a loss is going to hurt no matter what, because if you lose a close one, all you're going to be doing the whole time is saying, oh, man, we're going to look back at this, and this could be the difference between you know maybe tying or being at the top for division title or just fighting for a final wild card spot and then getting blown out. That's going to, I think that you could still have confidence after losing a close game to Pittsburgh. I think the confidence is going to take a major, major hit if they get blown out by Pittsburgh. I don't think they get blown out, um, but it's going to be one hell of a game. I can't wait. Yeah, it's fun to have a meaningful Browns game, and then the Buckeyes start following week. So, it's a good month for football. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, great hearing from you, Mike. Take care. All right, thanks. You too. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Who's up next? We got Rob on the line. Rob, what's up? Welcome in, sir. Oh uh, yeah, that's Robert. Hey, what's going on? Another day in paradise. Browns fan, Bengals oh, fan. Yeah, what's I'm, your team? Uh, Brown Browns fan. So I always talk to you. Give you the state of the uh, union of, of the dog pound. There we go. So I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the conversation about the importance of this game. Every game is important, but oh, there's another cliche. Season, I like this. No, game. no, <laughs> no. When you start your season, no matter what division you're in, you always want to split your division. You want to win your home games, uh, and you can. And you want to lose your your, your division. Your... I know so what you're saying. This is a home game for Pittsburgh. Like we beat next week game is a way bigger game for Cleveland than Pittsburgh this week. Uh, we beat Cincinnati at home, so you know they trying to get payback next week. So far, who who's uh, uh, game most important? Yeah, you want to steal one on the road. You want to steal a game on the road, but mainly you want to split your division games. That means you're going to go 3-3 three three in the division. So if you still one on the road, then you're 4-2. So if you start your season, you say, we're going to go 4-2 and two in the uh, north or, or the east or the south, and you're going to say, I had a really good division uh, season. So on the Browns and the Pittsburgh game, yeah, everybody wants to win Sunday. Well, no matter what two teams, as far as being a Browns fan, that we don't go – and beat Pittsburgh Sunday, that just meant they held their home court. So we got them later on in the year, so you can get that game back. Just like Baltimore beat Cleveland uh, first game of the year. And Baltimore was way more prepared than Cleveland because they was a veteran team, and we all dealing with the same COVID. But they way more prepared coming out the gate because they really didn't have no changeovers. And Cleveland had changeovers. But that said, we got Baltimore coming to our home. We can get that game back. So basically what I'm saying is it's not no do-or-die situation for Pittsburgh win because that was like stealing one. Well, uh, no, no, no. Uh, and, 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 Rob, I agree with you. Next not... week, 
It's not a do, oh my bad. Look, it's not a do or die for either team. That's what's that's what's beautiful about this game is that the the positives of winning outweigh the negatives uh, of losing in regards to like no team is buried. Like Pittsburgh loses, they're not right. buried. Cleveland loses this weekend, they're not buried. But whichever but, team wins this weekend is set up. Like the Browns with the win this weekend are set up uh, for a huge bubble of success moving forward because of their schedule, strength of schedule. Also keep in mind if they can get a win over Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh without Nick. Chubb, imagine just how big that's going to set up the second go-round against the Steelers on the final game of the regular season in Cleveland. That could potentially be for a division title. It could potentially be for a final playoff spot, and the Browns could potentially have Nick Chubb back by then on their home field. That could be huge. So a win is very important this weekend. I'm going to end the conversation real quick. The Browns on the road. We're on the road the next two games at Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Hopefully we can get a split, being a four-one. There you Getting go. Two wins will be like, oh, happy day. Oh, we happy day. After, there we go. We it is going to be happy day. That, we got three straight home games. I'm with double games. So I'm just been somewhere with the Browns. Still, we lose all week. We're not saying we lose or we win, but it was just we trying to steal one. And we don't steal one, or we can get it back. But that's all I got to say. Thank you all for listening. Go Browns. Oh, you, you you didn't let him do the patent and go Browns. Oh, my bad. Now, you're, now bad. you're ruining the mojo heading into the week. You know it's uh, hour three, right? Yeah, I know that. <laughs> my dad says pressure is on for the Browns, in my opinion, to beat Pittsburgh to keep their momentum going. Right now, a lot of them at four and one. And that's and that's huge. Like I said, five and one going into that stretch of five straight games that you know was highlighted by the by the dang Bengals. Uh, I mean, come on, six and one starts not that uh, is not that unrealistic if you're a Browns fan right now. Doug Toby says that the the pressure is on Steve from Springboro, dude. <laughs> that's who the real pressure's on, dude. All right, good stuff. We'll be back in a moment. Picks for week six next. Live here on ESPN Dayton. All right, we welcome you back. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station. Doug Toby, we were talking about the Browns, and we were talking about the Steelers matchup this weekend. Which team faces more pressure? Which team is this? Which which team uh, is this matchup a bigger deal for? It's a big deal for both. Don't give me all the cliches. We know that. You guys clearly know what I'm getting at when I'm asking this question. It's really not that hard. I love when people, you know, people have to read, you know, redirect the narrative of the question. You have a question, you can ask a question. But my question is, which team? is facing more pressure in this. Which team does this game mean more for this coming up weekend? I was all about saying Cleveland earlier in the year, but I'm looking at the games that Pittsburgh has coming out. It's definitely on Pittsburgh. It's definitely on Pittsburgh. Cleveland can lose this and still win the next five, and they're still going to be 9-2 and two, uh, You know, at that point with five games left, and they still have games at the Giants, at the Jets. The Giants, are just, like, they're fine. The Browns are just fine. Pittsburgh's just fine. But this is a big matchup for both teams coming up this weekend, again, mainly because whoever wins this this weekend is going to obviously have an opportunity to start creating some space between one another. That's why I think this is such a big matchup for both teams, if you want to give an equal answer as far as that goes. Doug Toby says that the pressure is more on Steve from Springboro, dude. And just like that, he heard it. Steve from Springboro is live with us on the air. Steve, welcome in, sir. How are you? I'll tell you what, dude. We don't go whip their ass to catch a field <laughs> Sunday. That uh, 
Joe Turkey Jones and you guys weren't alive, you are, you've only seen it on ESPN. I saw the game live when Joe Turkey Jones took number 12, who couldn't, uh, uh, who was it, the uh, linebacker from Dallas, said if you spotted Terry Bradshaw a C and a T, he couldn't spell cat. Yeah, that was Robert Henderson, the Dallas Cowboy linebacker, I think, years ago. Don't ask us. You were there. Well, no, yeah. I'm just, well, you, I'm, I'm trying to say you guys. I know. I know. I'm just <laughs> I have it up on the YouTube right now. So, the Joe Turkey Jones, when he picked up number 12 and drove him in the ground like a jackhammer. <laughs> the game that I and me and the boy were at years ago when Joe, uh, Joey Porter spit in William Green's face. And they both got ejected before the game started. And then last year, if that's not for nothing, and we don't go whip their ass at Ketchup Field, then trust me, it's a W for Cleveland Sunday. I'll put it out there. And if uh, the you-know-what fans from uh, that team over in western Pennsylvania don't like it, let them get on the phone and say something different. Anyway, long story short, it could come down conceivably. I, I listened to what you were saying. And it definitely could come down to the last game in Cleveland to decide who might not even make the playoffs. And I, I don't know why everybody thinks Baltimore is the uh, unpredicted crown winner of the AFC North. They've got a lot of games to play yet. They're beatable. I'm not so sure that the Eagles might get them Sunday. And if the Eagles were to beat them, we beat that team over in Pennsylvania we're in first place. So we'll take it from there, boys, one game at a time. And I'm telling you right now, I, I hate that city. I hate their fans. It's amazing to me, how all the, even around this area, how there are so many Steelers fans. And you know me, Justin. You know the history of your team. You better know it if you're really a true fan. That's just the way I am. That's the way I was brought up. You know? Yes, sir. Yeah, watching the uh, games with the dad. My older brothers, my uncles, you know me. You've known me for a long time. I believe brown and orange. And as much as I hate Cincinnati, and I really don't hate Cincinnati as far as organization, as much as I hate their fans. Let me ask, is there a fan base outside of Cleveland's that you do like? Mm, Buffalo. Very random, but I'll take it. You had an answer. I, 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 that. <laughs> they're, a, they're actually a blue collar. And if Cleveland were ever to leave again... And I hope and pray to God before the good Lord takes me that they don't. <laughs> but if they do, I would probably be a Buffalo fan. Hmm. Interesting. Because it's a western New York. It's a blue-collar city. And that's what I'm all about. You know that, dude. And I, 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 I hate everything about the other three teams. And they, we all know what Judas did to us years ago. <laughs> we were set right there when we had Belichick. Think about the Super Bowl rings that the Browns could have had. Had Judas not sold us away to Baltimore, and we just still we went eleven and five that year, beat Parcells in the old stadium with the Patriots, went over to you know lost to Pittsburgh the next week. I get that. If Dennis Northcutt catches that pass, we're still in the playoffs. But there again, those days are over. We're going to be just fine. I'll go ahead and put it out there: thirty-one seventeen, Cleveland. Wait, what was that again? 31-17. 31-17 Cleveland, huh? They are, I mean, they're the number one scoring team in the AFC. That's not, I mean, that's about what they're averaging a game. They're the I only team averaging run. over 30. I love, I'm, I'm, I know our back end of the defense is weak. 
I like Ward. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know about what, what the deal is with Greedy Williams. Quit being a punk ass and get on the field and play. You're a pro now. You're not playing at LSU anymore, boy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Call you guys tomorrow. There he is, Steve from Springboro. Never, uh, never, never with the loss of anything to say as far as that goes. David Shaw says the violin is playing, and he <laughs> said blah blah blah. I mean, I, I wish Steve from Springboro had Facebook. I mean, that this would be very, you oh, know, boy. <laughs> you, you would that could yeah. get ugly. It definitely could. It definitely could. Thirty-one seventeen. His prediction: the Browns over the Steelers. What's your prediction, um, Joe? We're going to get into that. that. Are we finally going to do our pick 'em? We're going to do our pick 'em. Let's Want to do it now? Or we're going to do our pick 'em. We're going to. Well, you know, we're going to do that thing that you know pays the bills around here. Yeah. The, the, you know, the advertising stuff, the commercials. Let's do that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Ready? Hold up. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, I did it. Look there we go. You. Look at that. It's like I've done that before. You're training for your bachelor party. <laughs> Listen, at this point, all I can afford is <laughs> making it rain. With in Fricker's Bucks. Whatever strip club I go to, I'll be walking in with Fricker's Bucks, just making it rain. <laughs> You're getting good at that, man. I'm proud I, you of know, you. I'm very I proud of you. I'm going to look like I know what I'm doing when I go next time. <laughs> Folks, listen, we do have $25 in Frickers Bucks that we are waiting to give away. All you have to do is go to the Justin Kenner Show Facebook page and like and share. Share the show today, the show that is airing right now on the Facebook page. Hit the share button at the bottom, and uh, tomorrow we will be reaching out to the winner of the $25 in Frickers Bucks. You can only win if you share the page or share this, uh, the, the show. So that's how you'll be eligible to win. You just have to share it, and then we'll be doing a drawing tomorrow. $25 Frickers Bucks. Go make it happen. Speaking of $25 in Frickers Bucks, another way to win that is by participating in our weekly NFL Pro Pick'em Challenge presented by Frickers. Kevin and I, we will be filling out our Pick'em bracket when we come back. You can do it with us. Head to wingam.com. We'll be back in a moment. Have you played Turtle Creek Golf Course yet? Formerly Greenville Country Club, Turtle Creek has local, state, and national recognition for excellence. They also have some world-class facilities, like the famous Thirsty Turtle Lounge, a full-service restaurant and bar with seating for up to 200 guests. Come try the Turtles' famous chicken. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. So we previewed this yesterday. Uh, the Dayton Flyers announced the bracket for the crossover classic uh, that they were able to jump into late. UD versus WSU. No, not that matchup. Not that WSU, but Wichita State. The Dayton Flyers will match up with Wichita State on November 25th. They'll go on to face the winner. Again, the winner will go on to face the winner between Creighton and Utah. The loser will go on to face the loser of that matchup. Um, but this is an impressive field. It features West Virginia, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Creighton, Memphis, Utah, the Dayton Flyers, and, of course, Wichita State. I'm super pumped about ball. Why, why are the football teams allowed to be out on the field when, you know, why are they allowed to be? And then basketball has to keep being pushed back. That doesn't. I mean, to me, we all know why money. Football, it's all about trying to get that money. That's why the SEC schools are loading the stadiums up with fans and all that. And they, you know, they're doing everything they can. And again, they're not wrong. That's the business side of it. All I'm saying is, is we know why football. You know, we know why safety doesn't matter when it comes to football. But safety will all of a sudden be the reason that they don't play basketball on time. I'm not. That that I'll be frustrated about. But let's get back into our our NFL Week 6 picks. But real quick, Carlton Woods on Facebook says that he's glad that dude from Springboro is back. He said he cracks him up. Dude. 
So there you go. We got to get his true American song back. Uh, the Hulk Hogan intro music that he gets. Let's go to the phones before Kevin and I give, give our week six NFL picks. We got Rick. Rick, welcome in, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Hey, I was on your uh, show a couple nights ago. It was your last caller. Uh-huh. And I made a comment about Andy Dalton was going to be the winning Super Bowl quarterback this year. Is he going to get traded to the to the Chiefs? What, what, uh, no, with Dallas. Ooh. Dallas. Of all, the hot, of all the hot takes I've heard, that's one of them. Sizzling. You know, back when he got, you know, when he signed with uh, Dallas, I just said to all my poker bells, <laughs> Dak is going to do something stupid and hold out, you know. And once he does that, and he's going to get the job, and he's not going to give it up, and then he's going to win the Super Bowl this year for Dallas. I didn't think Dak would get hurt, but, you know, now there, and he's got the job. That's a really weak division. I don't think that takes anything to make the playoffs for for them. And once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Well, you're right there. Once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. And I think it's going to be, you know, we sit there and say it's going to be easier to make the playoffs in that division. But let's be clear. It's, it seems like it's going to be easy to make the division in that playoffs, but keep in mind that division is that we gave our top five bottom five yesterday, and my my second worst team in the NFL, it's the entire NFC East division. That I think it's a bad division. Now, I mean, it's not that it's not really that you know breaking news hot take. I think the NFC East is a bad, it's a very bad division. Dallas two and three, first place in that division. The Eagles one three and one are in second. Washington one and four and third, and the Giants at the bottom at zero oh and five. Keep in mind, Dallas, you're right, could make the playoffs, and they probably will make the playoffs. Andy Dalton, I think, is going to – I mean, the Cowboys are lucky that they signed Andy Dalton because the gap the gap between him and Dak Prescott I don't think is that large. So I don't think they're going to lose that much at quarterback with Andy Dalton leading the offense. The problem is, uh, Rick, is that defense. That defense is atrocious. The defense is why they will not win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. But, hey, I'm not going to be angry if they do. Yeah, I didn't think you would be here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, have a nice night. <laughs> Great hearing from you, Rick. You take care. Thanks, All Rick. Right. All right, David Shaw says, wow, please ask this guy to pass uh, what he's on. <laughs> hey, you know, t- times are tough. You don't share with anybody, David. So there you go. What? Nothing. I'm not even touching that one. Normally I would, but, you know. Well, there you go. Hey. We've, we've that- been wilding out lately. Do I need to make it rain again? Oh, God. No, no wrong music. Well, they play this at those type of establishments as well. Mm. The other one's better, but leave it alone. We okay. like this one right here. All right, week six of the NFL season is officially here. So do me a favor. Go to wingam.com. If you have registered, great. If you have not registered, now's your time to do so. It does not matter if you have not submitted picks in weeks one through five. You can you could you are eligible to win any week of the regular season throughout the NFL year. Again, you are eligible to win $25 in Frickers Bucks by going and submitting your weekly picks at wingam.com. It's the Pro Football Pick'em Challenge presented by Frickers. Weekly winners receive $25 in Frickers Bucks. And uh, all you have to do is, well, get more picks right this week than anybody else. It's that simple. So go submit your picks at wingam.com. And if you need a little help, well, let's get to it. Kev? Let's start things off. Let's do All this. right, we have the Texans and the Titans Sunday, 1 p.m. The kickoff. The Tennessee COVID Titans are th- they are three point favorites. They are the home team. This line, considering how bad the Titans just won the other day, or how you know how big of a win they had the other night, they took it to Buffalo. I'm surprised at a one and four team coming in and the Texans who have not played well. I'm surprised that Tennessee is only a three point favorite at home. 
Yeah, that's something to make you think about. Like, what do they know that we don't know? Short rest. I mean, maybe that's it. I don't know. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I'm still to go with Tennessee on that power running game. Uh, the Texans defense still hasn't been there. They're still not really able to protect Deshaun Watson. So I'm a, hey man, they're gonna keep rolling, man. Tennessee Titans. All right. With that being said, so again, the Titans are look. I normally wouldn't pick the Titans, but when you know, I, I want to win. I want to win this pick 'em thing, so uh, I'm going to pick the Titans. That line worries me. Um, that I, I wouldn't. Man, that I don't see how Tennessee is only a three point favorite at home with the one and four Texans team coming in who has not been playing well. The only thing I could think of is what we just discussed. It's a short week. The Titans, and again, it's only their fault. They were supposed to play last Sunday. Then they were going to try to do it Monday. Then they pushed it back to Tuesday. So, you know, it's short rest. Maybe that's why. Uh, but I'm still going to pick the Titans in their matchup against the Texans uh, this weekend. Falcons, Vikings. Now, this game may not happen. Right. The Falcons just shut down their facilities. Um, so with that being said, look, they're going to do another round of testing tomorrow. If they go two days in a row with no negative or with no positive tests, then they'll be able to go. I highly doubt this game is played on Sunday, though. I would not be surprised to see this one pushed back to Monday or possibly Tuesday like we've been seeing the NFL doing. But as of right now, the Vikings are a four-point favorite. They finally got a win on the season. They are 0-2 at home, but they are welcoming in an 0-5 Falcons team. I'm going to pick Minnesota at home, but I don't think the Vikings are that much better than the Falcons. Both of these teams have been a huge disappointment this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings as well. They're starting to get things clicking on offense. Uh, The last three weeks, they scored over uh, 28 points per game, uh, really getting the running game going with Dalvin Cook, actually getting the passing game going hitting Thielen and the Justin Jefferson out of LSU, the rookie. So they're starting to get things clicking on offense. Defense still a little shaky, but nobody's defense is as shaky as the Atlanta Falcons. Um, if you have a fantasy player that plays for the Vikings, like be it Dalvin receiver, Cook. running back, you better play them against the Falcons. They're about to put up some monster numbers. I will say this. As bad as the Falcons have been, I've had Calvin Ridley in my fantasy team, and he is he's got me a couple big wins this year already. He's been one of my biggest points guys uh, each week. Surprise Surprisingly, um, as far as that's concerned. All right, on to the next one. The Patriots at home, two and two. They're two and zero oh at home. They're welcoming in a one and three Broncos team. New England is a nine and a half point favorite. They, it's a forty. You know, forty five is the over under as far as that. I'm gonna take the under in that, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, but I'm picking the Patriots at home. I'm excited that Cam Newton's back. I've been really a big. You know, I, I've bought back into Cam Newton. Big Cam Newton fan with the way he's performed. You know, I'm very surprised that the Patriots were not in on Le'Veon Bell. I really did think that they could have potentially gone that route, but uh, Le'Veon Bell still trying to pick between the obviously the the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Chiefs at this moment. But for this matchup, I'm picking the Patriots over the Broncos. I don't think this is that difficult of a decision. Rolling with the Pats, the return of Cam. That's simple. Oh, man, how about this one? The worst game in the history of the NFL this weekend. The two teams at the bottom of the worst division possibly in the history of the NFL. The Washington football team and the New York Giants. The Giants are 0-5, Washington 1-4. And and the 0-5 Giants are 2.5-point favorites at home over Washington. The Giants' defense actually is not that bad. Right. The, the the Giants defensively are in the top, they're in the top 10 in a lot of major statistical categories. So I... 
I think that's why they're the favorites at home right now because Washington's already that bad um, offensively. And defensively, Washington, outside of their pass rush up front, not very good in the secondary. I'm going to go with the Giants at home. They get their first win of the season. And then all of a sudden, we're going to have like a bunch of one- and two-win teams all jumbled in that, NF- in that NFC East. Yeah, I'm going with the Washington Buckeyes, uh, mainly because I want to see the Giants go 0-16 as well as the Jets go 0-16 so I can make fun of my aunt. So they have a family affair. There you go. There you go. I mean, basically, you might as well call the, the Giants and the Jets the uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, yeah. the race to Trevor Lawrence as far as that's concerned. Ravens-Eagles. Ravens 4-1 atop the AFC North. And the AFC North, I think all eyes are going to be on that division this weekend. Big matchup between the Browns and the Steelers. A lot on the line there. Ravens and Eagles. Um, look, the Eagles have been bad. They're 1-3-1 and one on the year. They are a 7.5-point mm. underdog at home with Baltimore in town. 48 is the over-under as far as that's concerned. Look, I'm taking the Ravens in this, but if there is an upset alert, if there is a game that you can circle and and maybe be a little gutsy and pick an upset, this could be it. Mm. But I'm just not ready to go there yet. I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm picking the Ravens. I just don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think that the Eagles playing tougher than we're anticipating. See, this is one of those games where obviously, I mean, of course we're going to pick the Ravens. And we both end up picking the Ravens, and Philadelphia ends up winning the game because that's the NFL. I'm going to go with the Ravens, but something in me tells me Philly's going to win. All right, again, if you're just tuning in, it is time for our Pro Football Pick'em Challenge. Submit your weekly picks at wingam.com. $25 in Frickers Bucks awarded to the weekly winners. Again, it's the Pro Football Pick'em Challenge. Submit your picks at wingam.com. Kevin and I are making our picks at wingam.com right now as we are with you on the air. We're also with you live on Facebook. Search The Justin Kinner Show and follow along. All right, back to the pick'em. Up next, we have the Bears and the Panthers. Kev, Carolina, a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home. The Bears are the worst 4-1 team I've ever seen. Now, again, that sounds disrespectful. They're still pretty good. That defense is solid. And how how bad are they? They just beat the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're not that bad. But uh, there is something about Nick Foles that always seems to just play his best football against Tom Brady. So there's something about that. But Nick Foles... They haven't, you know, they haven't lost since uh, handing the reins over to. Oh no, they have one loss since handing the reins over to him. Sorry, but four and one. I'm taking. I can't believe Carolina is. You know, they're three and two. By the way, that yeah, caught man. me by surprise. They yeah, they're on a three game winning streak. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves out here playing some good football. Um, they screwed up. Here you go. Here why, you go. We, why are you winning games right now? How stupid do you have to All be? you want to do want teams to do is lose. No, I want them to be smart. And, like, what was the point of why do you release all this talent and then go get – it's like the Patriots. Like, how dumb are you? Except you can't call the Patriots dumb. But Carolina, do you even – you don't even know how to tank, bro. Do you even tank? Like, seriously, what is wrong with you? Like, three and two, that's awesome, super, fantastic. All you've done is put yourself in a position to win seven games this year – get a crappy draft pick, and be just as average next year. I just don't get it. But are you picking them at home? They're a point-and-a-half favorite. Breaking news. They're about to be on a four-game winning streak to make you even matter. They're the worst losing team of all time. They don't even know how to lose. These are the two worst Gosh. bad teams of all time, you know, good teams of all time. Kenner likes no one. <laughs> My goodness. They're doing it without McCaffrey, too. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, gloves. let's say that they do win this. Mm-hmm. How long is McCaffrey out? Is he out for the year? No, no, no. He's not out for the year. Uh, I wanted to say, like, I think they were like six to eight weeks. Mm. Mm. 
David Shaw says, uh, by the way, they aren't taking tanking. They can win the division. That maybe that's the case, but that was not the perception of this team all offseason. All the talk in this offseason was to reset this roster, to build around McCaffrey, uh, and, and that was that. There was a lot of internal discussion, too, with that team about what do you do because you moved on from Cam Newton, and it was one of those where they were one of the teams that were going to be a position to potentially go and get a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields, and right now they're going to end up getting some quarterback from Indiana. I mean, they're tied at the top of the division right now with everybody. You know, everybody in the NFC South is three and two set for the Falcons. You know, hey, at this rate, if if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can't pull away and Drew Brees still throwing five yard passes, why not try to take a shot? Like we said, once you get into playoffs, you never know what can happen. Uh, well, they're not making the playoffs. They're not going to continue. Can I get that, that in writing? The, but I will write writing? it. I will. Write, I will type it out. So and, if they and make I'll print the playoffs, out, you know, I'm going to make Keith piss because I'm going to go type it out in red ink and print it out in our color printer after he told us to be, you know, a little cautious with using so the color printer. So if they make printer. the playoffs, what do I get? You get the pride of picking. No, the no. Panthers? If they if they if they make the playoffs, you got to do a hundred push-ups. Damn it. Messed it up. Make it rain with the Frickers Bucks. Couldn't do it. 100 push ups, that's fine. I'll do one a day for 100 days. That's fine. (laughs) Um, So, no, they're not winning that division. I know I said that. They're not winning that. I said playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. No, they're not making the playoffs. They're not. They're not. You know, teams, they have to have a playoff team. They have to have playoff teams. And the playoffs have been. The NFC South has two of them. We'll see. No, we'll, they, the the Saints are fine. I know you have this like weird hatred for Drew Brees. No, Drew Brees I love is Drew Brees. Fine. I used to He's love just Drew Brees. Fine. Drew Brees He's is fine? fine. He's fine. Okay. Did you watch the game on Monday? They're three and two. I'm fine with the three and okay. two. They're fine. It's Drew Brees. Drew Brees. I mean, he's no Mason Rudolph. All right, he's no Mason Rudolph. He got me all fired up. He got me all fired. <laughs> off season doesn't matter. Only matters when the games are played. Oh, here we go. More of these. Back-o. You guys are so adorable. Back-o. You guys, you know, you guys should write a children's book. All right, here's here's David Shaw and Kev Nash's rules to sports for kids. All right, everyone, it's just take one game at a time. Okay, every day you got to get better. Off season doesn't matter. It's only mattered about you know. Oh, good lord, make me sick. Amen. All right, on to the next game. One game at a time. Okay, Absolutely. Up next, uh, so to sum up, I'm going for the Bears more now than I ever have. Go Bears. <laughs> but you also hate the Bears. Uh, but I like them more than the Panthers at this point. They, uh, you have a track record of liking no one. You're not too high on my list right now. I <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Detroit, they're three-point favorites on the road at the Jaguars. I mean, there's a lot of bad teams. I'm telling you, this is the worst I've seen the NFL in a while. Pams, Lions get another win. Like, do you agree? Like, this is bad. There's a lot of bad football like in the this NFL every this year. year. I don't think so. It I think it's like worse every year. I think it's it's worse than usual. And I'm not trying to argue with them. Just being like, I really do feel like my gut tells me every one of these matchups has been bad. Like, you know, Bears, Panthers, ugh. Lions, Jaguars, ugh. Jets, Dolphins, ugh. Rams, Niners, ugh. Like, I mean, this is Washington Giants, ugh. Like Falcons, Vikings, ugh. Uh, ugh. Like, I'm not that wrong. I mean, that's a lot of ugh. It's like that every year, man. It's not that. I don't it think is. it's that bad. I don't think it's it that is. bad. It is. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. So, uh, I'm picking the Jaguars at home over the over the Lions. I think this one, I mean, look, the Lions, a three-point favorite on the road. The Jaguars, they, you know, they looked okay to start the season, but they've just, they've proved, they look like a team that unloaded all their talent off the roster. All right? that They are who they are. Jets and Dolphins. Ugh. 
The, the Dolphins are nine and a half point favorites at home, welcoming in the Jets. The Jets are one of the biggest dumpster fires in the National Football League right now. The Jets lose Le'Veon Bell. The Dolphins, who they're on the road playing, one of the favorites to land Le'Veon Bell. I don't think he'll be on the Dolphins by this Sunday, so it doesn't matter. Dolphins a nine and a half point favorite. That's a big line for a bad team welcoming in another bad team. How bad do you have to be to be a nine and a half point dog at another bad team? Fins win. Fins I- win. Another great game by Fitz Magic, and another reason why he always ends up starting games because he has great games like he did last week. He'll do it again this week because the Jets are garbage. Oh, yeah. By the way, another garbage game. Cardinals-Cowboys. Ugh. All right. Cowboys are a one-and-a-half-point dog at home. Andy Dalton making his first official true start as a Dallas Cowboy. I'm taking the Cowboys, Mm. and I take them by seven. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. And if you got Kyler Murray, you got DeAndre Hopkins on your fantasy team, start them. Start them. Disrespect. Five touchdowns. It's going to be a shootout, baby. Don't disrespect. The Cowboys are in first place. Don't disrespect the first place team. Are they? I thought oh, they were first in place. Oh, no, no, no. The Cowboys are two and three. They have more wins than anyone else in that division. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yep. Tallest short person. That's the Cowboys at this point. They, they, I mean, what are you really winning there? Chiefs and Bills. Ooh. Kansas City. A three-and-a-half-point favorite. I was more excited about this game until I watched the game the other night and watched the, the Bills just get embarrassed against the COVID Titans. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to feel about this. This is a big game for the Bills because you cannot get blown out. You can't you can't get beat badly back-to-back weeks against right. two good quality teams because right now everyone's looking at the Bills and they're putting them in the category as one of the top quality teams in the NFL. You can't remain in that conversation if you get waxed by the Titans and smacked by the Chiefs on national TV and back-to-back weeks. So you just can't do it. Kansas City, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to pick the Bills in this. I think that the Bills, there's a lot of people who are in the middle. I'm picking the Bills over the Chiefs in this one, although that would that would mean back-to-back losses for the Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs lose this, and that's what really puts the pressure on them to get Levy on Bell because they have to add, they have to up the ante a little bit. So I'm picking the Bills. Oh, more one. weapons. Uh, three things about this game, man. One, like you said, both teams are coming off losses, so this game is huge. Uh, three, five o'clock kick on Monday. That's pretty cool. We're going to be on the air with Monday Night Football on. Oh, because they moved everything. Oh, yeah. because because why? The Rona. Because of the COVID Titans. Nerona. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go. Do I want to pull? I'm going with Buffalo. I'm going to say the champs lose two in a row. I'm going to go ahead and say it. So you're going with Buffalo too, huh? Yeah, man. You made me feel crazy when I picked him, but then you, okay. Uh, no, I, I I really do. I think Buffalo is desperate right now. The Chiefs, are, they can lose two in a row, and they're still the reigning defending Super Bowl champions with MVP, you know, super quarterback Patrick Mahomes. I think the Chiefs will be fine. The Bills, if they lose two in a row like that, I'm not saying that they're done for the year, but I definitely think that their confidence takes a hit, and I think that they maybe start taking a step in the wrong direction. I think this is a bigger game for the Bills. The Bills have to get this one. Plus, they're at home. That's key as well. Rams, Niners. Rams, a three-point favorite on the road. 49ers, look, uh, the Niners took a major step back. We've seen this so many times where a team that makes the Super Bowl and loses, they just become the total. I mean, they just never seem to be able to get it back. The Falcons are another prime example I could think of. The Niners, I know they're hit by injuries. Mm-hmm. Just, there's a lot more issues there than just a couple of the injuries that they have. I'm picking the Rams on the road in an easy one. The Rams are going to be 5-1, and one, in my opinion, after week six. Good for them. Crazy. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams as well. But like you said, with San Fran, they're banged up 
with injuries, not only injuries, season ended injuries. And uh, Jimmy G came back last week versus the fans. And it just seems like, you know, they're always on the road. Like, I I know they're at home this game, but it seems like they were always on the road to start out the season. Jimmy G got in the game last week versus the fans, was looking terrible. He got pulled, and they ended up pulling the backup to put in the third-string guy. It was just a rough outing for the 49ers, and I'm seeing uh, seven wins at the max for the 49ers based off the injuries and just, you know, that Super Bowl hangover situation. It's the Justin Kinder Show with Kevin Nash. Life here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We are giving you our pro our pro football pick'em picks. It's the Pro Football Pick'em Challenge presented by Frickers. Submit your weekly picks at wingam.com. Kevin and I are giving you our weekly picks right now for week six. No Thursday night football tonight. Mm-mm. Thank Crazy. you, Titans. Again. <laughs> Titans ruin everything. What are you going to watch on TV instead of football? Probably watch House again. I'm on this house kick right now. For what time did you go to bed last night? Two in the morning. This a little game. later than that. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and I can't stay up late anymore. Anyways, besides this, we're running out of time. <laughs> the Packers are at Ron's Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are 3-2 and two on the season. Look, this, I'm excited about this one. Big Look, game. I think right now Green Bay's a, a, a one-point favorite on the road at the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers win. This is the first appliances mean a family recipe simmering on the stove and fresh sheets in the dryer. At the Home Depot, they also mean saving even more in your next appliance. Like a Hoover Wind Tunnel vacuum. Right now, just 119 bucks, Delivered free. Bring style and function home with fall savings on your next appliance at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Free standard shipping and residential delivery on most orders over $45 made at HomeDepot.com. Some exclusions apply. Valid through October 21st. U.S. only. What do you want a da da What do you want a da da da? I'm not a da with a da da da. We could switch to Progressa da da. Oh, yeah. We could switch to Progressa and za. Mm-hmm. We could za enough to buy some za. Oh, yeah. Let's switch to Progressa da da and get some za with the money we saw. Yeah.